Oh, shit. Speaking <laughs> of my pen, do I, need, do I need my pen or not? Is what I'm wondering. <laughs> oh, wait. Quick comment, Ch- Chaney. Yeah, the mics are, are live. Are still live? Yeah. Ooh. Well... The question is far gone. It is a trash podcast. I want nothing. Welcome back to the podcast. As always, I am Emmanuel, your host here at the Fight Guys, getting rudely interrupted by a disgusting human being known as Evil Twin. Chaney, how have you been since we last spoke? We had some amazing fights over the weekend. The fights were pretty uh, good. And um, yeah, I was on a lot of weird podcasts this week. So. Well, definitely get into weak neck, act weak neck, baby. If you want to get all into Cheney's other <laughs> podcast, definitely. I know I don't even know <laughs> if I ever put it on Twitter or anything. <laughs> I think, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if man. you want to, um, I was on Roadways this week, and uh, my Maria seven seven seven. There are two podcasts you can check out. Um, but yeah, Cheney underscore Darko is my. Um, I don't even know if it's that. But on Instagram, but I know I'm not shadow banned anymore. It's my celebration. Is that, that is that apple juice? Mm-hmm. To apple celebrate juice. not being shadow banned. How are you guys doing? Evil twin, what dark corner of the reaches of the world are you trending in MMA right now? I I don't even know what that means. So I'm gonna <laughs> say yes. I didn't know what that meant either. Yeah, I um but yeah, any and all things MMA, uh, absolutely, I'm on it. Um, even the Bellator, which I'm totally looking forward to that Bellator at light heavyweight Grand Prix. Hey, be a Bellator expert because I don't watch that trash. I don't got time in my life for that. There's so much going on in UFC. Anthony Johnson versus Yoel Romero to open it up. You're telling me you're not going to tune in? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, they get the fuck out of here. Get out of here. That's why this fucking trash podcast doesn't deserve the respect (laughs) I give it. Well, thank you for the respect. Who did the best last week out of the three of us? What were our scores? Not me. Oh, I guarantee you it wasn't Emmanuel. Oh, oh, I'm looking at it right now. And myself on Tapology, I am actually known on Tapology as Moco, M-O-C-O. I went six for nine. Um, Chaney, you took second with five out of nine and Emmanuel took a pitiful less than 500, four out of nine. Rough run in it. Is that the same for the fight pick championships? How's that going? No, fight pick championships are coming in hot. Chaney's running in first place, taking third overall over the week. I believe I can't give props to who is it. I think it's kill you all. Maybe won it right now. Cheney's leading overall right now in the fight big championships in number one spot. But I mean, people are making crazy jumps, getting 90 point days. So a lot of fun, interesting fights. Zero gain decision. Only person who picked that apparently. So that was a good pick. Yeah, I had that. Definitely a a solid one. There was another couple highlight performances over the week. Anything that really stuck out to you guys other than people go for it, Evil Twin. I I don't think I've even discussed this with you prior to the episode uh, before I gave you all my hand picks. But um, what do you guys think about? And I, I well, I guess my feeling is on the calf kick. 
it is clearly talked about. I'm getting sick of honestly talking about it, but more than anything is I genuinely think that within the next uh, two to three years, we're going to see some kind of reform because of the damage, the crippling damage that these kicks, they're only getting more and more brutal. And like we saw over the weekend, um, there was an actual break at a smaller venue, but um, these calf kicks are, are absolutely game changing to the point where I personally think unless they can come up with a counter, which right now I really don't see it other than the check, but it's so low, you can't really check it other than dodge it all together. I'm thinking within two to three years, they, they're likely to put in some kind of sanctions on that because that is crippling. What do you guys think? Janie, please go. I would think like my counter and I'm so naive, I would got to think it'd be a takedown to a kick or an overhand right or like depending on what side they did it. I do understand that it it's totally game-changing, and it's kind of a weird, boring game-changing if you don't know about the fight game at all. Like, people don't understand the damage that's being added up by these kicks. But I kind of am like, you know, we're elbowing people in the skull here. Um, <laughs> there has to, There's going to be a counter for everything. There's kids watching these calf kicks be done that they're creating stuff that we can't even imagine. And I just think it has to be the evolution of the sport somewhere. I don't want to see him stopped. Thank you. I totally agree with Cheney and think that we can't stop it because evil twin, I know you've been following as long as I have. And I remember when oblique kicks were about to be outlawed because they suck so bad. And guess what happened? People started realizing how to bend your knee for oblique kicks. And yes, they'll still land on people, but they're ever more present. People still haven't figured out the calf kick. I understand. Oh. Damage, but there is counters. And that would be second it. It hurts both of you. Also, moving out of the way is a very underrated technique, but is viable. Israel Asanya, one of the guys that profiles moving away from leg kicks better than anyone you can see it he'll pull his leg he'll pull both knees back and stand in a very traditional kickboxing stance because that's what you do but then he counters it so uh there is counters to the calf kick and i just feel like it the game will evolve to implement it and it'll turn like it'll turn into a jab i because that's the future of calf kick it will be the jab it will be the guiding principle in a fight is who gets the calf kicks off first and we saw that with Rivera versus Munoz over the weekend which isn't is isn't that kind of like interesting that. how it used to be like boxing wrestler like that would be like two sides you could take and then build all the other skills off that for the MMA fighter but now it's like do you want a Muay Thai or a kickboxing base if the leg kicks are going to become so much more prevalent do you well, you know Muay it's Thai. like changes the little bit of uh you Muay Thai know. has already dealt with the calf kicks and they do the same thing. They check the kick, move out of the way, or they cut the kick off. There's really like those three options. So you you intercept the kick and beat it to the punch, essentially. I know. It just makes Real Muay Thai quick. all of a sudden over boxing for me for my striking discipline. That's the game. Go ahead, Evil Twin. Real quick, you guys, I'm not disagreeing with your guys' thought process in regards that they shouldn't outlaw it. I, just right now with the way – the damage that's being done, the the lack there of innovation when it comes to checking this or people making the correct adjustments. I'm just saying that I believe they're going to like the oblique kick. And they were. They were on the cusp. Um, several places were on the cusp of instituting no oblique kicks. But they didn't. Again, 
I see that the very much of the same route is right now. Guys are just mangling each other and checking it, like picking your foot up and taking it didn't work because over the weekend, that's what the guy tried to do is short of completely in disengaging from the bout right now is to me, the alternative to checking that kick, but that makes for a boring fight, you know? So it's, I mean, I saw part of the fight game, this, that I don't disagree with you guys. I don't think they should get rid of it, but I do think as it becomes more prevalent, you're, I mean, they talk about it every time it lands. Um, I see though commissions really start to look at it. I also would like them to take away the, uh, you know, what is it? 12 to six uh, vertical elbows, one on the ground. I, I mean, I understand part of that, but anyways, let's focus on the card because we got a 15 bout card. This is huge and nothing is falling off to this point. 15 You're fucking bouts. Right. I just say legalize soccer kicks. And everything will be gravy because those. I'm down. That's super dope. I would love. That changes everything on the ground, JD. So absolutely love it. But I love what Evil Twin saying. 15 card bout UFC 259. We got Israel Adesanya versus Jan Blakowicz coming in as the main event for the 205 pound bout. We're trying to get a new champ champ in the game. But you know that Polish power is always going to be on point. Again, none of these fights have fallen off. You know how we always start. It's always from the bottom to the top. And this is an absolute delight. We got two young up-and-coming prospects at 135 pounds. We got Trevin Jones coming in over Mario Batista. Batista coming in with an 8-1 record, only losing to Sanhagen ever. Evil Twin has absolutely been streaming on this dreamboat, Batista really filling me in, making me watch that tape extra, and good for the him for that reason. At Lat B, at the fight, guys, we've been big Batista fans here. All around, great fighter, um, great cardio. It is only Corey Sanhagen he's lost to, but he's really starting to show that power and finishing ability in the UFC now with his last two wins that he's had. In. One win with a TKO over Miles John as a huge underdog and the decision went over song over Trevin Jones, who is 12, six and Oh, coming off of a huge upset over Timor value on short notice six months ago. He did have that fight overturned due to a uh, marijuana infraction for Jones. So it was weed. He won that fight. Timor value have spent his load beating the living daylights out of Trevin Jones. Trevin Jones just, uh, durability and ex- and athleticism kind of bailing him out, just being able to absorb those shots for the first round. Valiev blew his wad, and uh, Jones really took over in the second part of that fight. But I'm not worried about that with Batista. Batista can put a game plan together to be able to uh, ride that out. I want to go Batista TKO round number three because I feel like he's able to really push hard in that third round and has a good enough game plan. But I feel like I'm going to go decision minus 225 favorite. It's a little steep for me, uh, but I get it. I like it. I like Batista. Jones, um, he'll have a fun career in the UFC. He'll be able to beat lower level guys. Batista's a sneaky dark horse in the division at 135. Evil Twin, what the, was I wrong? Right? What do you think on this one? No, I think uh, I think your assessment is is accurate. I myself am also going with Batista via decision. I do like jo- Jones's durability. I went back, I watched that um, uh, fight with Trevin Jones where he re- realistically 
the best movie ad was the ref not stepping in and calling the fight because he sat down on his butt. Um, uh, Valia backed off. I mean, that fight should have been over by all means. And mm-hmm. like Emmanuel saying, uh, Valia just unloaded too much and in the second round got caught and then got put away with the ground and pound. Now, going back and looking at Jones's record, he tends to lose decision based bouts. I mean, he's 12 and 6 for a reason, where Batista's only losses to the now going to be contender against uh, Corey Sanhagen. That was a fun competitive fight. Um, I, I mean, because Jones's weakness is the decision-based fight, he is durable, and Batista is playing to those strengths. Uh, I mean, I just got to go with simple math, Batista decision. Same. I don't Same. have too I much do. to add. Um, I'm just going to go stick with who who I know and who's gone against a higher caliber of opponent that are actually UFC. Um, mm-hmm. Batista, I like everything he's done up till now. I'm actually surprised he's like a first fighter of the night kind of guy. I figured he'd be a little higher up in the prelims. So um, Trevin Jones hasn't shown me enough yet. So I'm just going to go with who I know Batista decision. You're absolutely right on that. They, they This fight should be moved up uh, further on the fight night as it is. But this entire card is unbelievably stacked. I mean... This is a fight of the night potential for me because uh, stylistically, there's it, it's a really, really fun one. Um, and we have just so many more that are in there, but it, this one should be a little higher because there's a 155-pound bout between debuting Urso Medic coming in against Alon Cruz, who has lost his debut at 8-3 and three in the UFC, coming in, moving... Up a weight from 145 pounds, the six-foot fighter definitely had range on most people at 145. And even at 55, he's on the taller side. So it's going to be interesting whether he comes back from that knockout 11 months ago against Spike Carlisle, where he was the favorite. Um, His first knockout loss ever. Alan Cruz, really at-rangey guy. He will kind of blitz at times and leave himself open. And uh, Spike Carlisle was able to get in there, even though he was a lot shorter. But uh, there's just openings, cruises. Uh, what was I looking? I was listening to some interviews with James Lynch. Definitely check that guy out. Uh, he's been over at the PI for at least six months now. He's been living over there. So. He's definitely uh, going to not have to cut that extra 10 pounds and really feeling that effect of it against Medic, who came in on the Contender Series, a perfect 10-0, coming out of the Alexis, Alec, Alaska scene, Alaska FC scene. I mean, he's fighting guys with 5-0, and 0-1 records, 1-4, 4-4. These are just guys coming off of the oil field, having a drink. Someone asks them, hey, you want to fight? Cool, I'll get paid 50 bucks to win or lose. Okay. And Medic's putting him out in there. He's a kickboxer by trade. On the ground, we haven't seen too much from him, but we know that he can strike at range. In the UFC, he was coming in, and the first real competition he fought was a 7-1 and one now fighter, Mikey Gonzalez. But there's a rumor supposedly on the Twitterverse saying that Mikey Gonzalez was coming in for that fight. He just wanted to get that contender series fight regardless. So he took it, and... Um, looked a little gun shy as far as uh, other people considered it. I didn't look into Mikey Gonzalez all that much. I just saw that fight and he got beat to the punch very quickly as far as Mectic. He's only gotten into the second round a couple times and he gasses 
pretty dramatically. I mean, I feel like Cruz has definitely shown that he can go further in most bouts. Uh, Medic, though, ha does have power, and he does have some really good long uh, strike striking and kickboxing. He'll attack with a guillotine as well. I just don't like that we haven't seen Medic on regional scenes out of Alaska go further than the first round. So this is his real UFC caliber competition, kind of with Cruz, who hasn't really shown himself yet. So I am going to go Medic. I'm going to go Cruz decision. Ugh, this is a gross fight. This is a stay away. I'm talking myself kind of out of it because I want to go with Medic. He's the known flasher guy, but the Alaska FC scene is just not something that I want to rely my betting on. Cheney, out of these two guys, who do you think are going to be? Uh, I'm just going to go with medic decision. I don't have any real – I'm changing it. I'm going cruise decision. I'm just purely picking um, the American guy. Evil Twin, did you look into either of these guys? I have. I'm back and forth. We actually did speak about this one previously. Um, Medic shows, like you're saying, he's he's flying, fighting lower caliber, caliber um, base fighters. Um, honestly, I'm I'm gonna go with Cruz KO. Um, he did have a flashy, uh, what is it, third round flying knee to get him the contract from Dana White specifically. Dana making a big deal about it. Uh, great, and then he came out and got starched by Spike. Spike has shown that that tenacity and that blitz. When I compare Spike Carlisle's uh, athleticism and power compared to Medic, um, overall, what I could find on him, um, they're two different athletes, and I don't know that he's going to have the same kind of success that Spike Carlisle could close a distance and land those big punches to, to really hurt him. Um, I think he's going to come out ferocious, sure, but I agree with Emmanuel uh, knowing that um, what is it? Medic hasn't made it past the second round very often. Um, and we know uh, Cruz can finish you in the third round by flying knee. I'm going to go with stop late stoppage uh, Cruz um, second or third round. I absolutely love that. We did not talk about the DraftKings, by the way, on that previous bout with Jones Batista. That's because it was put on this bout. Um, so far that DraftKings hasn't updated it yet. So as of now, we don't have a line on that. But here we You want to keep lying to your viewers? You want to keep lying to your viewers? Because I'm looking at it right now. Surprise, surprise, bitch. Oh, there's a third column here. Wow. Whoa. Batista, 9,100 against Jones is 7,100. I'm only playing Batista there, but I can't uh, afford him that much at 9-1. But it's Batista or nothing. So as on DraftKings, as far as Medic versus uh, Cruz here, we got Medic as 8,900 against Cruz is 7,300. My plus 145, all of us are going Cruz here. Everyone else is going Medic. Um, how do you guys feel on DraftKings? 7-3. This is one of those first fights oh, I... of the night that'll probably be one of the only fights that makes it to the card. Makes it to the like uh, optimal card. No, it won't make about. it to the main event, but it'll definitely be one of the like. I believe that some of these fights on here are not even real. Like they are have no intention of being real. We're like waiting for them to fall. Yeah, out. there's which, no which way fifteen. One. Thank you very much, Shaney, because this is one that I actually had hesitation. I was talking about Evil Twin about it because Medic is usually fights at one seventy. He's only made one fifty five once before. Uh, he has been over in Vegas for a little while longer, though. He has been training over at King's MMA, 
hasn't medic. So uh, he's been in California for a little while, so it's not going to be that big, but he is a guy who is going to be six. What is it? Six one compared to Cruz's six foot. These guys are humongous at 155 pounds. So as far as weight cuts and weird shit that we've been seeing as of late, this is one that could fall out for me. Any of them in the in the COVID day and age, any of them could fall out. That's the that's the worst part. That's what I hate True. the most about all and of it. And we have, I mean, we had a twelve card bout that turned into a nine card bout all of a sudden, and within two days, right? And, yeah. So we're trying. We're get him to Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi knows how to do it right, apparently. Yep. So, no get one... the fuck back over there. But. Moving on to 115 pounds, we have Lavinia Souza coming in against Amanda Lemos. 8-1-1. Lemos coming off a two-fight winning streak, only losing to Leslie Smith via TKO. Last beating six months ago, Mizuki anyway in a decision. Um, All-around Brazilian, all-around general Brazilian fighter tends to go to the submissions overall getting a little more weight in her punches coming out of that jungle scene. Um, against Souza, who's a heavy hitter, but beat Ashley Yoder in his decision, which looks okay. Yoder's solid, losing the Van Buren in a decision. She sits down on her punches. She lost, or she beat Froda in a decision and lost, beat Alexis Chambers, who is not UFC caliber. Um, this is a toss-up for me. I don't really like this fight in general over the entire night. This is one that I'm going to probably stay away from in general. I like Lemos just because she's a little more active and looks like she's growing a little more at 33 years old. The 29-year-old Souza, uh, it just kind of seems like she's set more in her ways. I don't have a great read on this fight. I don't suggest other people play heavy unless you have a better read, but I'm going with the minus 190 favorite. Evil Twin, who do you think you or picking in this 115-pound bout? Oh, man. So I've been keeping an eye on uh, Souza since her Invicta. She was the Invicta, uh, I believe, Adam Weight champion. And uh, I had high aspirations for her coming into the UFC, I was hoping, but she did move up in weight when she first came over. Uh, unfortunately, what I've now seen is she was a little bit of a pit viper when she came out. She throws with reckless abandonment because she like most Brazilians rely on that, that ability that she's going to be able to stay on the ground and submit you one way or another. Um, and unfortunately a lot of people figured it out. If you just stay in her guard and stifle a lot of her jujitsu, you can get an easy takedown and her, she throws big, heavy punches over the top as, as big as you can for 115 pounds. But realistically, Lemos has fought bigger, stronger women and been able to, to, um, do more. I definitely think this is a uh, this is going to the ground. Both of the women fight on the ground excessively, and um, it's kind of a stay away because I think Lemons ends up writing out a dirty decision. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going Lemons dirty decision, uh, maybe stoppage because I've seen like Sosa's uh, will gas and fade pretty hard because she just goes so hard out the gate. But it's it's definitely a stay away at seven at eight seven for Lemon and seven five for Sosa. Um, anything could happen. It's so early in the card that 
it's not worth putting real chalk on, not DraftKings-wise at least for me, but I am going Lemon Decision. Agree, and I don't even need to add anything to this fight. Absolutely. Big fat stay away as far as DraftKings is concerned. Don't like either of those options. Then we have a really, really fun fight. At 170 pounds, we got Sean Brady coming in against Jake Matthews. Evil twin, I thought you had some specific words on this. Take it away. Ooh, all right. Well, um, absolutely love this matchup. I'm surprised this is that far down. But then when you start looking at the remainder of the card, you're like, well, shit, where else do I put these guys? Because it's from here on out, this card is stacked. Hopefully, we Batista stay on course. What's that? I love Batista Jones. I think this is this arguably Sean Brady, Jake Matthews is a staple of a name or somewhat regionally, True. and Sean Brady is a hot prospect. You're telling me that they, they're not more deserving than uh, Jones and Batista? All right, Shut you're up. right, you're right, you're right. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> so, um, what I'm seeing here, what I'm seeing here is, uh, an absolutely gunfight. I can't wait to see it. Um, we have fantastic. I actually have a quick little stat. Where is it at? Where is it at? Oh, Elliot. Nope, nope, nope. Okay. All right. Um, I'm I'm looking at uh, Jake Matthews is the younger fighter by two years. He has a one-inch reach advantage. Um, the thing that... Uh, Brady has is he puts out 5.4 strikes uh, compared to Matthews 3.15. Uh, his striking accuracy is 55% compared to Matthews is 46%. So he's better, but the strikes absorbed Matthews or excuse me, uh, Sean Brady tends to absorb more at it at 4.3 compared to Jake Matthews 2.1. Now both of them are heavy in the grappling. Um, Brady goes three takedowns for every 15 minutes compared to Matthews is two takedowns. His takedown accuracy is 57%. Whereas in Matthews is 41% and his takedown defense, Sean Brady, and this is going to be key here. Sean Brady's takedown defense is a hundred percent compared to Matthews is 70%. I'm anticipating this fight. If it stays standing due to the grappling, canceling each other out because they're both high level grapplers the fact that Sean Brady throws 5.4 strikes and has better accuracy, even though he's willing to to absorb more, he he is genuinely the better striker. I think the grappling is close enough to where it can cancel itself out. I'm going with Sean Brady via um, decision over Jake Matthews. Whew. Take it, Chaney. What do you feel goes down between these two fighters? Gosh, Sean Brady's just doing everything right since he came inside the UFC. And we've kind of seen a stunting point for Jake Matthews over and over again. And we keep hoping that like he gets like a quick victory and then we're going to see Jake Matthews make his run. And then we're going to see Jake Matthews make his run. That's what I keep feeling about Jake Matthews. But he ends up doing these. Um, a lot of his victories are against guys we've never heard of because he's filling an Australian fight card and happened to be a big name on it. So I like everything Sean Brady's showing me. I think Jake Matthews has enough tape that a guy with Sean Brady's skill set should be able to go out there and do everything he needs to to win each round. Um, Jake ba Matthews is just always kind of a guy that um, maybe just does enough 
to secure a decision. And I think Brady can do that and then flashy shit on top of it. So give me um, Sean Brady. Uh, I think 29-28, it could be a close fight. I am definitely digging what you guys are saying on this bout. And at a 9,300 for Sean Brady against Matthew, 6,900 on DraftKings. It's going to be, you know, very one-sided. A lot of people going in on Sean Brady thinking he's got a big potential here with an average of 102 points. The uh, Matthews is 69 points there. I'm on the Brady train. I actually like him a little more for the submission just because, as you're saying, Chaney, Matthews just kind of holds on for that decision. He's been in the UFC forever, over six years. He came in when he was, what, 21, 20 years old. Jake Matthews has been long-tenured, but he's been on the juice forever. We always talk about his hip shaving here at the fight, guys. So he's definitely someone who always gets around uh, the testing, whatever way it may be, but... Brady just feels like he sets better traps when they're standing. And on the ground, his one-arm guillotine, Brady's known for. Going back to even his regional stuff and his last win over, um, who was that? Submission win over Aguilera there. It was a one-arm guillotine. And that's where Brady catches people. I know Evil Twin will know this. It's like having a freaking half Nelson pulled up all the way. And you're the guy on the inside. You can't breathe. You can't fucking breathe. You'll tap just because you're like, my lungs are compressed on themselves (laughs) right now. Yeah, it's gnarly. It makes people freak out. Um, And Brady has that. He's finished, I believe, three fights. Off topic, did you guys have to get waterboarded in the military? (laughs) (laughs) Have to? No. Did you guys just do it for bullshit? Like, did you guys just lay in the (laughs) barracks and be like, let's waterboard this bitch? Well, yeah, we're well. You know, it's not you're con, you're talking hazing, which is wrong and not I allowed. I mean, in the like service, if I said, "Hey, you guys, I want to be waterboarded." Oh, oh hell yeah, that'd be guys lining up. These guys <laughs> lining up around the corner. Oh yeah, that's what I'm. Oh, gonna, absolutely. That's what when I hang out with you guys, I'm gonna be like, "Will you guys waterboard me?" <laughs> hey, I have seen a grown man be a kite, and it work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah, you'll have we'll have to fill you in when I'm down there. But uh, Emmanuel spent what like one weekend with the infantry and he fried himself. (laughs) (laughs) That is an absolute lie. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's a different. We were both Marines, sure, but we were both very different Marines. This this guy here did a whole lot of, uh, well, just a whole lot. We're gonna leave it at that. There, killer. Then so, maybe we should waterboard Emmanuel when you come down. <laughs> you can try. You can try. Come at me. Come at me. Definitely. So this one, though, on DraftKings, Sean Brady being so expensive at 9300 Do you guys feel like he's going to be on your lineup? I have the submission round number three. I feel like Sean Brady's going to be able to put it on him and set those traps later on. And Jake Matthews will wilt when people push him hard. Uh, as Cheney was saying, where he likes to hold on, uh, Jake Matthews couldn't finish Diego Sanchez. I just feel like uh, Sean Brady is gonna is just gonna kind of pick his shots the entire time. So definitely a fun one. A uh, little steep as far as the price tag. I'm gonna have limited exposure on Brady, but that's the only side I can see on that one. 
Then we have about 205 pounds with Carlos Olberg uh. coming in uh, and Juku. Olberg being the first of many city kickboxing fighters throughout the night. The 3 and 0 fighter came in on the contender series. His topology has multiple fights when you look into the kickboxing. He has a three kickboxing bouts as well that he won. Um, brought up in the city kickboxing scene, last beating Bruno Oliveira via TKO with that left hook as he was swarming him, winning a decision against the 2 and 0 fighter over out of the ethereal side. Um, Olberg, gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. He's up there in that Brad Tavares range. Evil twin. Look at the photos later. You'll be on my side. Absolutely there. And <laughs> he's definitely a kickboxer. Um, on the ground, we haven't seen much from him because his level has been such low competition. He's fighting these ice cream vendors in the arena as well. I mean, he's getting finishes and knockouts, and even he went to a decision. All of his competition looks regional at best. Uh, the fact that he got a win in the contender series and this big of a favorite, I feel like it's we're seeing some of that uh, city kickboxing rub really playing a role here. And uh, Kennedy was a hot prospect. He only lost his debut in the UFC to Paul Craig in a triangle choke where he was winning the entire fight until he pulled the Nikolaev and got in that triangle. Uh, but I feel like Njuka was doing a lot of the same thing and winning all of those rounds, coming in and beating Stochik in a decision. I, I feel like um, Njuku, the Nigerian fighter, has been out of Texas Fortis MMA for a while. Uh, he's the better all-around fighter when we've seen in general go more to much more decisions. He can put together uh, a good MMA all-around plan and just looks like he's a solid backing as far as a prospect. But Olberg is the flashy knockout guy. Olberg is the guy who you want to be the next Conor McGregor because he's good looking and he throws with a lot of power. But all of his competition has just been such low level that I got to go with Njuku with takedowns. I mean, City Kickboxing's got wrestling, but it's not world renowned. And we're waiting on uh, Olberg throwing some power. But when I saw even his kickboxing matches, when Oberg's finishing these guys, when he flurries, I mean, he's Pat Barry level type of flurry where his hand's at his hip. And if somebody who's hurt and, and pulls a Pat Smith and throws a straight right hand, you know, we could see a completely different fight. And we haven't seen the ground game tested for Oberg where we've seen Njuku on the ground be more than solid against solid opponents. Paul Craig being one of those few opponents. But uh, Cheney, who do you think you're taking out of these two prospecting young fighters in the UFC. Kennedy Njuku, Njuku Wu, whatever his name is. I'm going to probably Underdog. say, is he the, un yeah, I just think he's had more fights inside the UFC. I do not know anything about the other dude. He's three and O out of New Zealand. I got to just think he's traveling over with Jake Matthews. Um, you said, uh, but Kennedy's no uh, kickboxing. He's without Asanya, without Asanya. Kai France. Yeah. Um, I just, Stosic isn't a bad guy to me to go with decision on your first mm -hmm. fight. It's been mm -hmm. forever since Dizik, what it, Kennedy's been inside the UFC. Um, but, uh, yeah, City K, I imagine for Carlos, if he's a little less than Dan Hooker, which is probably my 
guess so. Or he's a big dude. I don't know. I'm just stay with the other guy and see what Carlos Ulberg shows us. Oh, wait, Quinn. who's Choney, Cheney going with? Kennedy. You lost me. And Juku. And Juku. Okay. Well, I will say I remember vividly that Kennedy um, Stazak fight. And although Stazak lost that fight, here are a little bit of stats for you. Stazak had 60 significant strikes landed with four takedowns, and he lost to Kennedy via unanimous decision. I remember it vividly because I was like, that's bullshit. Um, Kennedy should have never won that bout. Um, and then a guy like Paul Craig submitted him via arm triangle in the third round. Um, that being that, that is leading me to my pick of Carlos Olberg. And uh, yeah, um, I didn't see it. They made a big hype on it on the contender series. I remember it where they're like, Oh, this guy's handsome. A big, big freaking deal. Um, he is a kickboxer. He is catering. Nanjuku does have the reach advantage and has the better all statistic mathematical statistics currently in the ufc but they are minor i mean the differences are like fractions of a strike type deal um and they both favor the striking the thing is the athleticism i absolutely give to olberg and the fact that i he's at a um i think a better premier camp with a lot of hype going around this although um kennedy is coming out of fortis uh, I think there's a ton of hype, and those are those intangibles, those X factors, those whatever you want to call them, that will absolutely um, put people into bouts or, or get people wins that should never even be there to begin with because they're just riding that energy. Uh, I absolutely think old, uh, Carlos Olberg is likely going to get the stoppage in this bout. I'm going Olberg, um, second round KO. I love that we finally have some dissension here because we needed it. Um, we're definitely going with the underdog with Njuku here. Uh, as you're saying, that brawling style, it's going to be a fun one. These guys are super young. They're going to have a long career, I feel like, in the UFC. Uh, Oberg is going to have just a little more of that extra push from the UFC because of his looks. But uh, Njuku is not someone to be messed with on DraftKings. You're going to end up having to pay 9000 for Olberg against Njuku as an underdog, 7200 Even though I have Njuku decision, I don't feel like for 7-2 he's going to be able to get there because I feel like it's going to turn into a super sloppy mess. So Olberg for 9000 he's got to get a finish in the first round, but that's how a lot of people see it. Do you guys see yourselves playing either of these fighters on DraftKings over the weekend? No. No, not, I mean, Kennedy, just quick, another quick one. I'm trying, I'm trying to base it off math. Kennedy has only landed in his last three bouts, 50 strike, a maximum of 50 strikes in his last three bouts. I can't afford to put that up. Not a guy putting in 50 strikes with no, with zero takedowns. Come on. There's a 15 bout card. I ain't trying to make no freaking 50 points. That I agree. So definitely a stay away as far as DraftKings is concerned there. At 125 pounds, we have a premier battle between Jordan Espinoza coming in against Tim Elliott. The 15-8 and eight fighter Espinoza coming off of a loss against David Dvorak. Prior to that beating De La Rosa, who's no longer in the UFC, Losing to Alex Perez in a submission, losing to Schnell in a submission, beating Eric Shelton only via decision, who's no longer in the UFC as well. Espinoza, 31 years old, coming off of a bad case of COVID. 
he actually has been extra delayed because his COVID was actually pretty bad upper respiratory issues, which kept him out even longer than before. And against a fighter who tends to traditionally fade in the third round, uh, I mean, Espinosa seems like he's going to be on an extra short gas tank, which is already not good. And I feel here that uh, Tim Elliott, I, I've been a big lover of Tim Elliott for a long time. Uh, tried to fade him when I thought better as well against Roy Val. He ended up getting a win over Benoit decision a few months ago. Uh, prior to that, he only lost to Askarov, who's a top tenner right now, top fiver, and Figueredo via submission, beating De La Rosa as well. I mean, I just feel like Tim Elliott is hard guy to knock out. He's got a crazy pace. He can get caught in a submission, but Espinoza um, has that guillotine. But other than that, he is a wrestler, but his gas tank has just always been garbage on top of that COVID, as I was saying. I just really feel like uh, the further this fight gets, the longer it gets. It just benefits Elliott that much more. I feel like now that he's been at glory kickboxing over with Mazzani and James Krause, we've really started to see other than those flash catches that he gets. Um, he's finally somewhat at 34 putting it together, but I got the slight underdog minus 105, the minus 125 Espinosa coin flip of a fight here. Elliot submission round number two. I could go round number three submission, but I think uh, Espinosa's gas tank depletes extra hard Cheney. Am I right or wrong here? Ugh, I think they're both their gas tanks deplete extra hard. And Tim Elliott right now to me is just a journeyman and he doesn't even care being a journeyman. He doesn't even care that he's there. He's just um, there to put a fight on a card and he doesn't mind accepting them in that kind of frequency. He'll stay like even the fact that you mentioned as one of the names of the camp that he was going to Mazzani. I'm just going with Espinoza um, decision for I think uh, Tim Elliott gives up on himself way before I could give up on him now. Evil twin. Oh, man, I'm uh, this one hurts because um, I absolutely have been a fan of Tim Elliott for years. Mind you, guys, we had a Tim Elliott that won the tough ultimate fighter that then competed against Demetrius Johnson and hurt Demetrius Johnson close to finishing him in the first round oh my goodness it was magic it was that um matt sarah without without the matt i feel sarah like douchiness. that moment is um, what we've been riding tim elliott's rest of his career on like that moment that rush tough I, house to just desperately find somebody who is good enough to fight mighty mouse and then he had his one flash moment and then we just hoped that we would see that tim elliott again sorry that's myself personally <laughs> <laughs> no, no, and, and, and you're very, very right, because that is what resonates the most with me out of his last bouts, because he goes out and he gets, he he puts on a furious pace in the first round, gasses in the 30 seconds of the beginning of the second round, and then gets submitted, you know, um, that is the pace. Now, exactly for that, Espinosa is the same way he's been submitted in his last three defeats, he has been beat by submission in his last three defeats as well. Um so I definitely think uh, Tim Elliott also throws a lot of unorthodox techniques that put him in uh, compromising positions uh, where he's eligible to get submitted. The thing is, what I don't see here is I don't see Espinoza as a high-level grappler. I see him as a high-level wrestler, but not um, submission grappling. And for that, I think um, 
I'm going to go with Tim Elliott because I think he's going to have a better submission game. I think both of their vulnerabilities is submission, submission grappling, which is crazy because they're both vulnerable to it. But yes, Tim Kennedy is a better submission grappler. And uh, the pace is going to be furious. I think this is going to come out. Guys are going to be uh, throwing fast and heavy. And past the second round, these guys are going to be tripping, falling. It's going to look like two guys walking out of a bar at 3 a.m. Because they're going to be so exhausted. You're going to be going, what the hell is this? I thought these were small guys that had energy. They're going to empty their gas tanks, I guarantee it, in the first round. By the second round, by the third round, if it makes it that far, it's going to look like two drunk guys just falling over each other. But with that, I'm going Tim Elliott via decision over Espinosa or submission. Honestly, I could see a late submission out of Elliott. In the- I got a submission round number three, moving it from round number two. Now that we've talked through this here, Tim Elliott on DraftKings 8,200 against Espinosa's 8,000 even on DraftKings average points 65 for Tim Elliott against Espinosa's 37. Boo. Um, yeah, I feel like Espinosa only wins decisions at that when he wins, so I don't see any upside to Espinosa. I'm switching purely on, on James Krause. I like him as a corner man. It, it's like if Tim Elliott gives up on himself, James Krause will stick with him. He's there. He's James the loudest motherfucker. Improved. He's always screaming from the corner. He has really good advice when guys are in their own head in that third round. Um, he might be the perfect corner guy for a guy like Tim Elliott. He absolutely has amazing uh, corner advice, and a lot of that is being profiled right now in the MMA verse. A lot of people realizing James Cross might be a better coach than a fighter, unfortunately. Yeah, so if I see it fine line. Yeah, I liked him as a fighter too. I I would still pull him as a fighter in the UFC right now. Um, for against a lot of guys, I think in his division. But I think I like have. if Elliot and Espinosa are on the fence, um, Kraus is the guy that waves me on the side of Tim Elliot. Right, and a uh, little uh, to try to a little more backstory with Kraus is Kraus is a guy that takes care of people. I at least me personally, from what I see from him, he raised his two siblings. Um, he's a guy that shows up when you're down. He's the kind of guy that backs you and makes you believe in yourself. And what not better than a Tim Elliott that's had a struggle with substance abuse, um, on the verge of getting booted several times. And, um, I mean, this is a match made in fighter heaven because you've got a guy that actively plays that role and then a guy that actively needs that role. And we saw it in Elliott's last bout out. I mean, this is, they make movies out of this shit. <laughs> the fight arrow with Christian Bale. Ben Folds. <laughs> so, definitely a fun bout to watch on DraftKings. It's Tim Elliott or nothing as for 8-2. I feel like I'm going to be playing Tim Elliott in a lot of spots over the weekend as well. Are you guys going to be playing a lot of DraftKings? This is a big pay-per-view. There is three belts on the line. I mean, I feel like this. if there's no other weekend, this is it. But the fights are somewhat close. There's a lot of underdogs I like. That means that, they're, that they've been looking fun so far. It's super hard because I tend to do worse on big pay-per-views because you have so much inexperience and um, 
we put forth so much energy and effort and are so committed and have so much conviction in our picks. It honestly, it hurts me personally way more because some jackass just throws 20 bucks and goes, oh, I like this guy's red hair. And, oh, I, I saw this guy kick a guy once. And, and they hit. And I just invested an hour and a half of my time talking about it with you guys to see some freaking jabroni take the pot. Get out of here. I, I'm, I'm torn. I mean, maybe 30 bucks is what I'll play because I know myself and it, it's going to hurt me when chump asses take the, the whole thing when I should have won everything every time. <laughs> Chaney, you're definitely picky as well as far as your DraftKings. Do you think this is a DraftKings worthy night or not? Uh, it totally is for me. I tend to do better with the uh, established fighters. Um when a pay-per-view is full of names, I'm a person that does better when I can rely on the tape I've actually studied, which would be fights that I remember (laughs) instead of all these people that have been through a tough house. I don't know anything about that. So um, yeah, this has a lot of names on it. It gives me a good opportunity to recall everything um, about these dudes. So and ladies and lionesses. Absolutely. Well, some other young and up and coming fighters, Kai Car France, also out of that city kickboxing scheme, coming in against Ro Rogerio Bertonin, the eleventh ranked fighter, being sixteen and two, coming in off of his first loss in the UFC against Ray Borg, a decision a year ago. Prior to that, beating Pava with a nasty cut stoppage, beating Bibliotalov in a split decision, winning via submission on his contender series fight. Bertone coming in like a little tank, uh, being solid everywhere, throws with the heavy, heavy strikes. His jiu-jitsu is definitely what he stood out for on the regional scene at 28 years old. He's got a gnarly front headlock series, guillotine chokes, um, and Darce's anacondas, all that stuff. It's just when he wraps it up, but he just really looks like he... Uh, his striking starting to really come along and has started to have power. I know he lost the board, but he was out wrestled uh, and then out positioned by just a guy that was a way, way higher. Borg was challenging for the title at the time where Bertonin is still just getting his legs under him in the UFC, only beating Pave at the time. But um, really like when Bertonin, even though he it brawls out of time, he, th- he just throws with such conviction here um, that I feel like it could be game-changing. The, against the 21-9 and nine fighter, Kaikar of France coming off of a loss as well, losing last to Brandon Roy Val via submission, one that we called here at the fight, guys. Telling you guys, uh, Roy Val is different. Also warning you guys that Kaikar of France is probably the lowest level city kickboxing fighter there is. He's definitely a guy who's just underperformed for me overall out of these guys. He had a big showcase on the show, even though it was a mixed review. Came into the UFC, beat Tyson Nam in a decision. Um, lost to Brandon Moreno in a decision, but has wins over De La Rosa. Pava as well in a controversial split decision where Pava actually won that fight if it wasn't in New Zealand. Um, but Kaikara France just likes to brawl. He re- will use his wrestling and grappling defensively. Um, we'll also try some front headlock series, but really just has to rely on kickboxing to win decisions more than anything. All of his power was on his initial 
regional scene. In the UFC, he just hasn't shown it to me. He doesn't hurt fighters often. Um, he definitely has good placement, but I don't think his chin's all that good. And I feel like Bertonin's showing me the progression. And I feel like with that fight, with that uh, power I'm talking about, he'll Bertonin will eat a shot, but Kaikara France won't be able to take the return of it. So I got a TKO round number two. Rodrigo Bertone, another underdog, plus 120. Do you know much about these young fighters, Chaney? You know, um, I'm just kind of agree with you with Kakara France being stunted, and we kind of see what he, he can do. He doesn't change his game plan at all. He's not like Dan Hooker or Israel Adesanya, where we see these guys come out and add something, add another strike, add another uh, pattern. He just does the same thing. Whereas uh, I love Bontorin. Like he's like the sneaky guy coming up the division, uh, seems to be doing everything right. Um, when he gets all swolled of his muscles, I get nervous when I see a guy get swelled like he does in a fight. I'm like, their cardio is going to fucking suck or they hit it into like a second gear. He has that for me. Um, Gokara France really doesn't. And he totally does just start shelling up and taking punches in a fight, becoming a punching bag, just wearing out the clock. I am going to go with Bontorin by decision um i do think kokara france is enough of a fighter to stay around for the whole fight but i think by it's just going to be a clinic uh by the end of it he's just going to be a punching bag evil twin well as much as i like to come on here and argue with you guys i think i will this time as well fuck you both (laughs) perfect they both have a similar fight um, opponent in the UFC, Paiva. Mind you, um, uh, what is it? Batone, Batonin, how do you pronounce that? Bertonin, Bertonin. Bertonin. Bertonin in that bout against Paiva was getting pieced apart. That is the Paiva cut that ended up in Paiva losing via doctor stoppage. And Paiva was winning that fight, whereas in Kai Kai of France took Paiva to a decision and beat him with two takedowns and outstruck him. So you're telling me the guy that was outstriking Batonin and ended up losing because of a doctor stoppage via a cut is going to lose to the guy that outstruck the guy that was outstriking him? Your math makes no sense. Yeah, but Kai Kai of France got knocked down twice in that fight. And I think if you get knocked down, it's a 10-9 round the other guy, regardless of the strike count. I don't think we're watching the same fights. I'm going Kai Kai of France. He's getting this via decision because Batone is going to swell up. He's going to slow down. Again, I'm riding the city kickboxing hype train. It is what it is. Moving on. You're feeling all city uh-huh. tonight. No, so no, I didn't say that. I, I, I do think that there's hype there, but I'm not going to say I'm feeling all city. I think the hype, I think hype is an intangible that uh, there's these certain intangible things. There's more than just hype. There's a lot of variables, but um, I think cage. hype is absolutely huge. Small cage what? being one of these intangibles. It has played a factor. I do feel like we still are getting more finishes in these small cages. And another factor here at DraftKings, we're going to have to pay. 8,500 for Kai Car France against Buntorin's 7,700. 
I like Batonin. I'm going to go 7,700 and put him on some lineups. Kaikara France for 8-5 just loosened up at an average of 62 points. So that's not worth it. As far as DraftKings on that, but I don't feel like I have to bet on this fight compared to a lot of other bouts we're going to have throughout the night. Agree, but I might put Batorin. He's like a good, steady, low guy that I can build stuff around. Where I'm not worried just, about him washing my fucking card out. I'm not worried about him getting knocked out. That's what I think as well. I, it's a solid decision if it's not a finish for Bertonin, even the opposite fighter, but uh, solid action, a lot of movement here. At 125 pounds, we have a profile fight. Joseph Benavidez coming against Asker Askarov, evil twin. What do you think goes down at this? 125 pound premier bout. Uh, is this the, this isn't the top of the prelims. This is not at, for 125. This is about that changes a lot of factors with the fourth and third fighter. In okay. The division. Okay. Uh, now I understand what you're saying. Sorry. Your stupid uh, way of phrasing it didn't make sense. Um, so absolutely looking forward to this bout. Uh, I am not a huge fan of one of these two fighters for the simple fact that it's a uh, very lackluster appeal to the their the way they take on their fights. Now we have a uh, Joey Benavidez at 36 coming off of two brutal stoppages against uh, Figueredo. I know you don't like the quick turnarounds, but I know that that is going to play a factor or that can be playing a factor into this bout against your 28-year-old uh, Asker Askarov. Um, I absolutely love Joey Benavides in this spot. Um, Askarov has some power, but he's really known for his grappling where Askarov to me also stands out is when he cannot enforce his, uh, wrestling, he fades and loses bouts. Um, whereas in Joey Benavides is known for his outstanding grappling defense and, um, has all around better stand up game is his chin suspect a hundred percent. Um, but I, I genuinely believe that Joey's going to do everything he can to keep it standing. And Askarov has shown that his gas tank will fade, um, because he's so just absolutely goes for it. Uh, it, with his takedown offensive takedown, he is the younger fighter and he does have a three inch reach advantage on Joey B, but Joey B has seen the top of the top short of the top five, fighters even though Askarov is considered what number three in this position so he's a spot above him I don't believe he's faced anybody like Joey B up to this point um, this is the make or break for Askarov if he doesn't win this one I think he drops down into into the 10 range and uh, I I think Joey B absolutely holds holds the counter grappling which forces a stand up and there is where he exploits him with his hand Cheney what you got I got to go with Askarov. I'm just so off the Joey Benavidez train. Um, he just seems super fragile in there to me. I think Figueredo is one of the dudes to have his number. I do think Figueredo is next level with speed and power, and he's even turned his cardio up in a way that, like, it's hard to imagine anyone else in this division being able to compete against him. Uh, 
GCA is next level. So even a year and seven months ago, being able to pull out that kind of fight to me, it's got to be better than Askarov. I just think Askarov's going to have a better chin here. I do think his um, cardio is going to hold up just fine. And I do think he's going to have that different style of wrestling um, that Joey B just has a glass jaw. I just cannot depend on Joey Joey B's jaw. So I think Askarov... um, Shit, if it goes to decision, I could see Joey B getting this decision. I don't see Askarov being the kind of guy that can knock him out. So, um, gosh, this might be a setup fight for Joey B to get a win. This is almost the perfect kind of fight for Joey B to get a win and not have to really be desperate about somebody's hands. I think he can defend off all submissions here. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Joey B by a decision. I think this is a good fight for him. Um, the UFC, they got to like him enough. Megan's their girl. Um, and it's a good way to kind of uh, let's see what Askarov is made of. If he makes it through Joey B, then we know we got a decision 125 fighter on our hands like every other fighter in the division. But I think Joey B's gone against the best of the fucking best. So he should be able to pull out a decision against just a run-of-the-mill Russian wrestler. Well, I pick? see what you're saying. Uh, the 13-0-1 fighter Askarov. Only losing a split decision draw to Moreno there, controversial as it may. Joey B, a couple years ago, I absolutely am in the same boat and think that he has everything to be able to beat this fighter. But after those two just losses and just a constant head on a straight line where there's going to be a headbutt in this fight and it's going to be instigated by Joey Benavidez. The thing that's just happening a lot more now is he's not taking them as well. He's reaping the damage, I feel like, and just cutting wide open in here. Um, Askarov also leans in because he's a wrestler a little bit with his head, and I feel like this is just we're going to see head clashes constantly in here. Joey Benavidez with his age and just tenure here isn't going to wear it as well. That's not a specific fight style. That's not something to rely on. But uh, I'm fading just the old dog in general as well. Even though Joey Benavidez has fought by far the higher level fighters, I feel like Askarov just kind of wants it more. And Joey Benavidez might just be fighting for a paycheck at this point um, because he knows he's not going to get that belt. Evil twin. Listen, listen. The last five bouts Joey B has fought in, He's fought high-level grapplers outside of strikers. He has faulted, excuse me, the last six bouts, he has faulted to the high-level strikers. Sergio Pettis, he lost via split decision, and he lost consecutively to Figueredo, both high-level strikers. The guys in between there, Alex Perez, grappler. Dustin Ortiz, grappler. Justin Formiga, grappler. Or Juicier Formiga, grappler. Joey B has grappler's numbers. He can counter that. That's what I'm saying. I don't see, I don't see... Sergio Perez um, or Dust or Figueredo or Asker having the same level of hands as those two or striking prowess. That is what I'm. I agree, and I even said with the with the chin, but the striking prowess I don't think is on the level of the Sergio Perez slash Figueredo. On DraftKings, Asker Askerov eight thousand three hundred against Joseph Benavidez seven thousand nine hundred. Uh, I got a decision written all over this. I think it's a decision either way. It's pretty much a coin flip of a fight. I am going to stay on the Askarov side, but I feel like I'm staying away from this bout 
with it being a decision in my eyes. Do you guys have a hot take on this one as far as draft teams? Joey B laying out, Seven laying nine. him out. 7-9. Oh, did you do, – okay, I couldn't tell if you were going Joey B or Askarov. You were – you throw me, Chaney. I, are you switching mid-picks? Uh, mid oh, picks? no, I'm going Joey B by yep. decision. Yep, she picked that initially. I think 29-28, oh, okay. Joey B by sure. decision. I think he's so smart. I even think he could get a 30-27. I, I think he's – the ring IQ is going to be so much better that even if it's a close fight, right. Joey B's going to score that like last 30 second takedown. Like if he's not worried about the knockout, once he feels the power, I'm not, I, I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I'm fading that chin. I'm fading that chin. I, I, I should go with finish. Askarov hasn't shown me the striking to make me it's absolutely the, confident in it. Uh, but it's not, even the striking ass. I'm going TKO round number two, Askarov. I'm fading that shit. I'm fading that Joey Benavidez. Is that Askarov's first knockout? Will that be his first I knockout ever? But it's going to be in a the UFC. Knock. It would be in the UFC. It would be his first uh, knockout. It, he he won back in 2016 via punches. That was his last knockout. It's been. It will be because of the headbutt instigates it. I'm saying it right now. So that if you're going to say the headbutt instigates it, it's not a knockout. It's a no contest. You might as well bet the no contest prop bet. No. No. You no, said no, it. No, no, Like, they headbutt, and then he, Joey Benavidez just takes the raw end of it and, like, wilts a bit more, and then Askarov finishes with, like, strikes. Don't project my winnings all over this. So, definitely Don't. a fun one. Definitely one to watch out for. At 135 pounds, we got a profile matchup at with Kyler Phillips against Song Yadong, the team alphabet. I got to be right back. I'll see you guys in a little bit. Came over from China. Ended up being 16-4-1, getting a big win over Marlon Vera, controversially nine months ago. It was a dirty split decision, unofficially, um, but definitely Marlon Vera, as many of us thought that he should have been the winner, lost. Was in a draw with Cody Stamen. Beat Alex Perez in a TKO. Beat Vince Morales, who's no longer in the UFC. And Felipe Arantes in here. Yadong's just showing um, at 23 years old. Crazy speed. Crazy athleticism. Comes in with that Horiguchi in-and-out karate kickboxing style. But showing his wrestling's definitely improving. Specific thing he said against Marlon Vera in the post fight was, I was eating donuts a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, and he came in to beat Marlon Vera still. And a, a crazy fight where Vera had him hurt multiple times and did have a right to be upset that uh, it went close, but um, definitely was about that. I thought Vera won. Kyler Phillips, 8-1, having some exhibitions via the UFC's Ultimate Fighter. So the Dakota Cochran loss and uh, doesn't really count. His real only losses against Victor Henry coming into the Uf LFA, then the UFC beating Gabriel Silva and Cameron Ellis via TKO. He's a guy who's got ton of power in his hands coming out of the MMA lab. Really good wrestling. His 
really good solid wrestling growing up wrestling um out of phoenix arizona training with alex caceres somebody who has went three rounds before in other fights stylistically I feel like this is an absolute coin flip of a fight. Out of all of the fights throughout the night, I feel like this one's the hardest to read. Uh, the in-and-out style of Yadong against Kyler Phillips, just general all-aroundness with heavy right-hand power, uh, is something that they're just too young. We just got to kind of put a spider in a freaking rat in a bowl and see what happens. Shake it up, a scorpion in a spider, and be like, all right, who wins? I mean... These guys both got killer fast hands. Super fun one to watch. Uh, I'm really excited, but really hard to call. I'm going to go Song Yudong. Decision? I could wake up after weigh-ins and go over to Phillips. Right now, I'm going to go Yudong. Decision? Ooh, I'm going to probably stay away from this on DraftKings, not even knowing what the line is right now. Who do you think you're taking in this really close one here, Jamie? I'm going to go with Yudong Song decision, too. I do like Kyler Phillips. I think his ground game is better. I just think Yudong Song has legit takedown defense. I think he gets wide-framed, and he um, scores enough damage while they're in the clinch that the other guy always backs off of him. He's also one of these, I don't know if it's like the Chinese heart, um, but they're one of the few races that they get all swelled up, that they look like they should be gassed as fuck, and then they just keep going in the third round, where I'm really impressed with um, how swelled, and Yudong Song's one of those dudes that you can see veins pulsating through all parts of his body, and he still seems like he's throwing with power in the third um i think yudong song is going to do enough here stay on his feet which is the only real problem that i'm worried about and i just think he's flashy enough with a little more power here he's getting better and better every time i watch him fight and i do really like kyler phillips this is not anything against him i think this is actually a weird uh too big of a step up for kyler phillips it's not because i think he's bad or headed off in any i actually really enjoy him as a ufc fighter and like his skill set i just think it's a big huge leap he'll be so much better after this fight um but yudong songs uh in the 135 probably in my top 15 dudes i think and kyler phillips like nowhere to be found yet right i mean who's cameron ellis and gabriel silva compared to Cody Stamen, Alejandro Perez, freaking Brent Marlon Vera. Marlon like Vera. Cheeto. Exactly. He's Cody Stamen. Like real legit names in here. So um, definitely hard to sway off of that one. On draftings, you're going to end up paying 8800 for Song Yudong against Phillips is 7400 On average points, Song Yudong, 8000 or. 84 points against Kyler Phillips, 94 points. Again, the caliber of fighter for these two is dramatically different. So uh, I doubt we see 90 points unless it's a quick finish for Phillips, who is known to have power. But uh, we've seen Yadong just eat heavy shots and kind of keep moving forward, as you're saying, being that swole fighter. Definitely. Uh, I don't know if I have any exposure to Phillips there. I feel like I'm going to have to play some Phillips. The underdogs, I think, has a real shot with his power, but um, I just feel like if the UFC didn't give Cheeto Vera his real win, they're pushing Yadong Song so hard that if it's close, they're never going to give it to a guy like Kyler Phillips over Yadong Song. He has to finish. Yeah. yeah, he has to finish the fight. Absolutely. So 
Then we have, you know, China runs our world. Everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's making money. So definitely uh, one to watch there. So now the headlining preliminary bout of the night. We got Dominic Cruz coming against I had no idea this fight was even on the card. Wow. Preliminary bout. This is a prelims. This is free on Fight Pass. Wow. When was the last time you seen Dom Cruz free? Exactly. The announcer, Dominic Cruz. Please. Let me know what you think about this bout because you got something to say. Dom, to Dom, Dom, Dom. I'm kind of sad here that Dom Cruz's next fight back is against a guy like Casey Kenny. And in all actuality, to the layman, this should be, they're like, who's this guy? Dominic Cruz is fighting. This is a gimme fight for Dominic Cruz. But if you're a hardcore fan that's still been watching, Casey Kinney is a well-rounded <laughs> motherfucker. He's so well-rounded. He's so unassuming. Um, if you watch him at weigh-ins, you'd never pick this dude against anyone he's standing across from. Uh, but he's just on a really hot streak, and the guys that he's losing to are like Davish Feely. Are you kidding? Who's me beating Marab Davishvili now? Nobody. So, and I even think that fight was on short notice for some reason. I never remember anything, but I feel like Casey Kinney jumped in and like took that fight quick. I could be totally wrong. Um, but then he came back out after his next fight. Um, Smoke is a guy you're usually high on that should have far more experience inside the UFC than Casey Kinney, and he handled it superbly. Um, Alatang, he comes out and wins. And then Nathaniel Wood, I think he was the heavy underdog on that card against Nathaniel Woods like everybody had the hype on Nathaniel I think you and I had Casey Kinney but we're always high on Casey Kinney now we go to Dominic Cruz the guy that everyone thinks is so huge but I just think he's so broken his style is more figured out like the second Cody Garbrandt came in and figured out his style all of us knew his style. It was like a thousand, a hundred monkeys. We all just like instinctively oh this is how you beat Dom Cruz so I don't think there's any real difference here Casey Kinney doesn't have that fast footwork like uh, Cody Garbrandt, and he is just going to have that run-of-the-mill wrestling. I just think Dominic Cruz has got to be so fragile now. I can't even, like the Henry Cejudo, I don't even need to talk about that. Henry Cejudo is, to me, leaps and bounds still better than both these dudes right now. It's almost good he walked away from the UFC or he would have become the new Modest Mouse, the new Mighty Mouse. (sighs) I'm going to go with Casey Kinney by decision. I want to say that Dom should be able to do every single thing that we talked about Joey, Benabide, Joey Benavidez doing um, in the previous fight, that he should just have more skill set and more things. That, but Casey Kinney's just – he's going against too high caliber a guy. He's not a guy that's really low down there. Um, I actually think it's, un, it's great for name value. Casey Kinney deserves a name. But this is kind of somebody just putting the way on his crawl up to where he should be. So I think he should have this fight by decision. I even think he could really hurt Dom. In this fight, somehow Dom breaks something and um, it ends up being like a technical knockout. I'm going to go with Casey Kinney. It feels weird because Dom should have everything. And he's the one guy that's proven to us ring rust isn't real. Like he's proven that he can walk in and not do ring rust. But what is he doing here anymore? What are we doing, Dom? That's kind of what I feel like the broken and battered style is just kind of once, as you were saying, rightfully so, the Cordy Garbrandt fight proves that that at distance striking was an era and that era has come and gone. 
we have been seeing kind of a changing of the guard throughout the night so far, and we're going to see a lot of that. These young guys coming in and testing these old vets. And at 35 years old, the former WC champ, former UFC champ, Dominic Cruz is definitely going to have an uphill, uphill battle against most of the time having cardio advantages against these guys. Never having the power advantage, but always having the footwork. But guess what? The younger guys learned off of Dominic Cruz. And they, as we always archetype here, saying these guys are watching TV and they say, okay, I'm going to learn Dominic Cruz's style. Now, what can I do against it? And they've been training to fight Dominic Cruz for the last six years. Dominic Cruz has just tried to stay ahead of the game with injuries. So I feel like the development gap um, is just going to be that so hard to come across against the bad knees and bad shoulders uh, against Dominic Cruz. It's not that the will isn't there for Dominic Cruz. He's the ever-present competitor, but his body just doesn't know when to quit. And he's notoriously had every injury in the book and always been very intermittent between fights. I think Casey Kenny can walk through any punches and setups that uh, Dominic Cruz has and eventually land that big enough strike. I want to say it's a decision as well, but I think I'm talking myself into a late round finish here. Hopefully it's, I know that it's not Keith Peterson because officially the NCA Nevada commission is saying Keith Peterson is not refing that bout. Dominic Cruz asking them not to let him because you know, of all of the drinking and cigarettes before the fight. Mm -hmm. We got knocked out, Dom Cruz. So definitely <laughs> Casey Ken is going to have to get it done in there. I'm going to go TKO round number three. And I think it's set up by the Cejudo way. I think Casey Kenny specifically watches because he's done it before in his last few fights where Casey Kenny's going hard on the body kicks and leg kicks. And what do you do with a guy with a lot of leg movement kicks. on his leg? You're so right. Kick the fuck out of him. I'm moving and up to KO can... round two. I think on leg kicks on Dom's old legs. You're exactly. so right. Exactly what I'm fading as well. I'm fading those knees. They've had tons of injuries. So it's as soon as they get hurt, he's going to immobilize. He's going to start to fall down. I'm going TKO round number three. Uh, Casey Kenny minus 145 being the favorite for a reason here. Uh, fading that age. I was just hoping that Dominic Cruz would have went out. Well, I guess it was a knockout. It'll be another UFC game's rough. Step away and just commentate. You don't, you're not going to make a run any, not in this game anymore, not with his level of injuries. The will's there. Give me Casey Kenny for the finish there on DraftKings. 8,000. Oh, sorry there. We got on DraftKings for, um, what fight is this? We have so many pages to go through. Not bad. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, mm. 8,100 for Dominic Cruz against 8,100 for Casey Kenny. I got Kenny everywhere. I see this being a staple. I like that too. Not almost a linchpin. I'm going to. Um, uh, I like Kenny. I totally agree. I like Kenny everywhere. I'm going to stay away from Dom altogether. I don't see where he gets it done. I agree. I don't see how he wins this one at this point of his career. Into the main card, also known as the Fight Pick Championships. Evil Twin coming back in after taking care of whatever that double deuce needed to be. We know he's got all that, that IBS. So 
definitely wanted to fill in on Song Yadong versus Casey Ken or Song Yadong versus who's he fighting there? Freaking Kyler Phillips uh, and also Casey Kenny versus Dominic Cruz. Your two quick cents on either one of those bouts. Oh, man, I, I would have liked to discuss these in a little more detail, but I know we're moving on to the main card, so real quick. Um, I got Dong, or, yeah, Sonya Dong, uh, first round KO. Uh, he's got the speed. He has the power. Um, I love the camp he's coming out of. And outside of a high-level grappler that's really going to put it to him, um, I see Dong finishing this because Phillips is going to come out and try to bang it out, and I think it's a poor choice. Um, as far as Kenny versus Cruz, God, I'm excited to see this. Uh, uh, we did speak about this previously. I'm back and forth. I really am. It's a coin flip to me, but I've got to go with the youth, the um, the fighter on the current win streak, and uh, I've got to favor Kenny in this spot, um, although Dominic Cruz will find a way to complain or blame the ref for his shortcomings. Um, I think Ken, Kenny uh, absolutely takes a decision and then takes Megan Anderson on a date afterwards to top it off. Boom, shakalaka. So definitely someone we're going to have to talk about later. On DraftKings, do you think you're going to be playing Casey Kenny for 8200 against uh, Dominic Cruz's 8000 Ooh, um... Honestly, I was looking at this. Uh, what what's his point out point average for Kenny? It is a or seventy four points. Seventy thousand one hundred. Eight thousand one hundred. It's oh yeah, this is a pickem. <sighs> I'll probably play like twenty percent Kenny, especially because I mean it's a, it's a literally a pickem on DraftKings. I'll play Kenny probably 20-30%. Is um, definitely a builder. He's a builder-esque fighter. So yeah. I agree there. So definitely someone to watch out for. But what we all came for, the pay-per-view, the main card, we got six bouts here. It is star-studded from here on out. We got Tiago Santos coming in against Alexander Rakic. Cheney. I think you're well informed on this one. Please fill me in because you got me on that racket train. And it's been serving me fairly well. I love Alexander Rakic. I like everything that he's kind of putting together. I even like all the dudes he's going up against. But Thiago Santos is just this, um, I don't know. I, part of me thinks that he does did what Tim Means did with uh, Mighty Mouse, that he just had this performance against John Jones on two bunk knees, and we're all like, oh, my God, Thiago Santos is the second coming. Uh, I really just think John Jones is kind of kaputskis, and that's why he left the division before he had to hit Polish power and or refight uh, Reyes. But um, Thiago Santos is kind of a guy that always comes in hot with no game plan. It always looks sloppy and fucking full powered. Uh, we did see a different game against John Jones, but that isn't the typical. Um, Teixeira is kind of well-rounded, uh, perfect ring IQ, and he totally handled uh, Thiago Santos. I kind of felt like everywhere. I think Rakic should be able to do the same thing. He's a smart fighter. He has a good chin, so he should be able to handle that onslaught. Um 
yeah, I just can't see anywhere. Rakic would be one of the guys that would be crawling up the division that I would have seen as being a dude that would have been dangerous to John Jones in a way I never saw Thiago Santos being dangerous to John Jones. I just think Santos is kind of stunted as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think uh, Rakic kind of um, makes good work of him. If Teixeira can do it, Rakic can do it, and um, I think he can get all three rounds, if not a solid two. Evil twin. This, um, I know we talked about this, and I know, uh, Chaney, you absolutely got him to to um, swing the other way. But he, I, I can't exactly for what you're saying. Uh, I don't see the level of caliber uh, as Rakic, as Santos. And exactly for what you're saying, at, um, I agree that uh, there is a similarity there, as in he was the underdog, fought Jones in a five-rounder with two blown knees, and that's just thing that legends are made of type of a scenario. But um, I think Glover Teixeira, with a loss against Glover Teixeira, that's still a higher caliber fighter than anybody Rakic has come across. Anthony Smith, the guy that wilts under um, massive amounts of pressure, I mean... Cool, but Anthony Smith has been has gotten beat by Teixeira as well, and that was Rakic's last win by a you mind you, forty four strikes is what Rakic hit Anthony with, and um, Anthony only hit him with nine, and no takedowns were in the in the bout out of a three round bout. Like Maheta is gonna come out swinging like you're saying, he's gonna force a dirty brawl. And honestly, I see it more mirroring the his sole loss in the UFC against Mosvamir because um, Olzamir or Oaksvamir, whatever, absolutely forces you to fight an ugly fight. I think Maheta is very capable of of implementing that same level of game plan. Yes, the takedowns are something to worry about, but Rakic has only landed. What is that? Four takedowns out of six bouts against three against Justin Ledet and one against Oskamir Osvamir. God, I can't pronounce it. Um, those are the only four takedowns he's landed in the UFC. Now you're telling me he's going to come out and do what Glover Teixeira did, which is a known grappler with actual grappling credentials? Mm, I don't see it. I see Santos stopping that fool. Macheta style. What round? I'm going to go with Macheta round one. Wow. I'm going to go wow. with the I'm going to go with the decision with a slight favorite, minus 165 against the plus 135 underdog, Tiago Santos here. Uh, I'm fading that knees. If I'm going to fade Dominic Cruz's knees, I'm going to fade Tiago Santos's knees. Double knee surgery off of those. On DraftKings, 8,600 for Rakic. Against Santos is seven thousand six hundred. How much do you think you're going to be on DraftKings here on Santos? Because I'm not playing Santos anywhere. Well, he's going to be on the winning lineup, so I'm clearly going to do eighty percent at All least. Right. I'm going eighty now. Mind you, Santos also has a win over the current. The block is hot, Blockowitz. Very true. Very, very he's beat cool. champions. He has beat champions. I don't think Rakic has done that yet. I would agree. He's definitely got the lower level of competition, and this is definitely the bigger step up. But um, 
those again those knees i know he's saying he's better from it that Teixeira took him down i feel like rakik is going to do a lot of that same just uh push it to the ground against anthony smith rakik got up and thought he had won the ultimate championship and <laughs> he just had won the fight but he didn't care that he just ground out anthony smith through decision um he's willing to do that and i think he's willing to do that in this fight and i will take it as long as he does it and doesn't get into trouble standing and but rackick didn't have a takedown or at least he wasn't a get he wasn't awarded a takedown via fight metrics so that means he a dirty scramble ensued i just don't see i don't see him santos actively pursuing any kind of grappling exchange definitely a toss-up one that i'm gonna be iffy on um not the best read, but I'm not as confident as 80% on Tiago Santos or Rakic for that matter. I'm not on 80% confident either way. I'm more in the 20% confident more as far as my DraftKings on Rakic. And I'll hedge my bets with 10% of Santos, but not a fight that I'm going to be pivoting on throughout the night by any means whatsoever. One that I am going to have a big, big stake in at 150 I mean, this is probably the fight I'm second most excited for through the entire night. Islam Makoshev coming in against Drew Dober, 23-9. and nine. Dober coming off a 3-5 winning streak. I mean, only losing to Benil Dariush as of late via submission, uh, beating John Tuck as well. Drew Dober has just come into his own out of the elevation fight team, putting in some great training partner, Kamara Usman, Justin Gaethje being some of the Finishing Nahab Karast nastily, Polo Reyes and Alexander Hernandez as of late. I mean, he's a kickboxer who's now really developed his wrestling, got great at the scrambles, has all that good front headlock series, but uh, just shown an amazing gas tank and uh, proven to have an improving takedown defense. But just really putting it together, showing that a shot's hurt guys now and really love what I've started to see from Dover overall. I feel like um, the evolution is finally coming together and it's paying off. He is going to be in Vegas, so that cardio might even play a big role here. Against Islam Makoshev, the next coming of Khabib Makanap while he was around, said it himself. First Khabib, then it's Makoshev. And everybody will know the Dagestanis are the best fighters in the world. Everybody knows that if once Khabib retired, Makhachev would reign for many years to come. And he's well-rounded, 18-1 and one everywhere, coming off a seven-fight winning streak. He is nothing but dominated against Davi Ramos as of late, uh, against Tai Sumov a year, 10 months ago. His only loss coming to Adriano Marias, where here on... Lat B. Even prior to that, I don't even know what it was prior to that, but I called Marias in that knockout randomly. I have it on my tap. Only fight I've picked against it. I don't know why when we saw it there, but uh, Makoshev just doesn't look like he takes punches well, and that's why he reverts to wrestling for me. His striking isn't ever been all that good. Uh, when he does wrestle, though, it's not in that Habib level of constant takedown, tie up the legs, get that daggy handcuff or wrist control, whatever you want to call it. But uh, definitely 
he Makachev doesn't have that. He will much more just stalemate you and round out a decision instead of go for like that Khabib type of finish. And here, I feel like Dober's gonna have to take down the fence to keep this fight where he wants it, striking where he has a bigger advantage. And even on the ground, I feel like Dober uh, can fight off enough of Makachev's because he's not Makachev isn't a submission threat. Even though he has submissions, he's more of a position guy. So I feel like he's not going to be able to hold down Dober as much as he wants or threaten him with a submission. And I actually love the underdog here. I think that going into that third round, Drew Dober's going to lay it on thick and they all start standing. And I feel like Dober's super live for a finish. We've seen Makosha finish before. I think I'm liking the plus 260 underdog here. Cheney, how do you feel about this profile fight? I like everything Drew Dober has been doing of recent, and I hate to pick against him. I even like all the people he's going up against. They're so much far better caliber than anyone uh, that Makashev's ever seen. I even feel like Makashev's fight have been kind of set up for me. Um, shit. This is really weird. I'm going to go with Dober. I know the line doesn't say anything. Makashev... He should be able to stifle any of the wrestling, but Dover is a really well-rounded dude who's gotten his hands together on point so much in the last like 400 days, the last few fights. His hands just seem light and day better. Um, I don't know what Makhlchev is going to be doing to really up the game. I think we've seen... I don't think they have to really change their game. I know you're saying he's not heavy into wrestling like Habib, but I think his hands are a little better than Habib's. Um I just don't think their squad has to change their game at all until somebody figures it out. And I don't think anyone's really figured it out. It's crazy to go with a guy like Dober like this, but he's just shown me that he's actually in it for the run to make this title run at 155, where I know Makhlchev has been set up, even Khabib stepping away, so it's now his turn. I just, ugh, I don't know if it's Russian hate, but I'm going to go with Dober by decision here. I think he's going to have better hands. I think he's going to stifle the takedowns that are all going to be desperate attempts. I think he's going to hurt him enough on those takedown attempts. And then when they back away, um, it's going to show how, uh, the lack that Islam has on the stand-up game. Um, so give me Dober by a decision, 29-28. Um, ah, fuck. I think he can withstand the takedown. I think he can have decent enough takedown defense and then cause enough damage in the clinch to get it separated. Evil twin. Dober's the better Dober's Jake Matthews. Here. Dover is the better Jake Matthews to me. Like they're always in the same spot in my brain. I always get them kind of confused. It's weird they're on the same card. All white people look alike. <laughs> True. God, you said it. Um, I look like well, Jake Matthews. Funny little thing here. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, funny though is Jake Matthews and Israel Adesanya have shared three cards together where they're on the same bout and because they're playing to that New Zealand or Australian flavor. So um, Izzy and Jake share simultaneous uh, ring. Um, but to go on what you guys are talking about, absolutely. I see where you're coming from, but I wouldn't be here if I didn't have all the right picks and you had all the wrong picks. Yes, Drew Dober has shown in his last bout against Hernandez that when he's down on the card, he can turn it around and get the win. Mind you, he gave up three takedowns to Hernandez before stopping him in the second round via punches, T TKO punches. 
absolutely fantastic. But if that if the fight would have not gone and stopped, there's likely that Dober was going to give up a decision loss. The fight prior to that, which has been a big uh, letdown to me, was uh, Herat. You know, he took out Herat by KO. Fantastic, great job, Dober. But more than anything now, I'm, I'm fading Herat, not just on Dober, but he's getting beat by guys he shouldn't be getting beat by. Um, he was the second coming at one point. Um, Dober exploited that, good for him. But then previous to that, this is the one that really stands out that I'm not impressed with, is Marco Polo Reyes. He KO'd Marco Polo Reyes. Yes, he's on a three-fight win streak. Two of those, legitimate, although he may have been losing the Hernandez bout. But then the fight previous to that, we go up against a Dariush. Dariush beats him with takedowns via armbar submission. Um, his loss previous to that, he loses against Ovon Mercier due to the grappling. Before that, Efrain Escadero. There's a trend, right? Uh, before that, Nick Haynes. Yeah, or Heen. He's uh, nullified a lot of his grappling, but in his last fight alone, he gave up three takedowns. So he hasn't completely closed up that gap. And because he hasn't closed up that gap, I got to go with Mac on the decision. Um, I I would honestly, I, I'm rooting for Dober, but I'm, I'm trying to make money, trying to make money move. Cardi B herself said it. I got to go Mac decision. That's the money play. Um, well, it's not the money play because he's the favorite, but that's the one that I'm going to make money on. So you're going Makashev decision, decision. overall. It's he's a four to one favorite almost. There's no way you can make money on that decision. Nine. You're right. I was talking out of my ass a little bit, but he's going to win. So I didn't know the line number. I didn't, I didn't keep up. I look at him early on, but um, I, I've learned that I wait till like the day or two before if I think they're real close. Unless you get them early on in the week, but with COVID and everything going on, it's not worth me putting my money in a bet and then sitting in limbo when I can the day of the fight actually make the bets. It sucks because I lose out on a little bit of uh, of the line moving, but I'd rather may have my money not push at the end of the day because a fight fell off. There's times where it goes the other way and you're like, ooh, I'll keep it taking money on this fighter. Right, but I'm just saying I don't like to make – right now I don't like to make any bets because of the COVID era. Any fight can fall off and it'll totally kill my parlay. Not kill them, but it'll cause a push where I could have stacked actual bouts that are going right. to be happening real time. In limbo, as you're saying. Exactly. But I, I don't – no. On DraftKings, some of the money you might put at risk here, 9400 for Makoshev against Drew Dober, 6800 I got Dober in a finish, so I feel like I can go – I can't go in that 80%, but I like that 20%, 30% for Drew Dober. I think I'm going to be playing him maybe. You can afford anyone else if you're going to put Drew Dober on a card. You can afford anyone. I'm gonna be you might as well throw Santos on there. Those, which who's Santos? The one going against Lemos. <laughs> That's a, be careful no. of your card. There's always when Santos fights. There's always a girl on the card with the same last name that'll fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> How drunk are you, Cheney? Jesus. You're like I have Santos everywhere, and then you'll look and you're like, oh shit, it's the girl. <laughs> So definitely a amazing fight.
definitely one I'm really excited for. I like that we have a little bit of dissent in between all of us because uh, it's just one to watch. One worth it. One of definitely why the pay-per-view might be worth it over the weekend if you're paying for that type of thing. But then we, we can- all agree on the same thing, though. We're all agreeing on the same thing. If Dober doesn't put him out, Makachev wins a decision. Uh, uh, no, Cheney got a decision. Dober. Yeah, I got a decision. Dober. Two rounds yeah, so to one. We're not all agreeing on the same thing. So pay we're all saying what there. I want you to say. Dober, <laughs> October, freaking brother there. Get out of here. Let me get a little bit of this. I'm not feeling right. <laughs> You're not looking right. I know. You'll All pass right. out. <laughs> yeah. So, at 135 pounds, we get into the belts. We get into why this pay per view is so meaty with Peter Yan coming in against Aljamain Sterling. This is a coin flip of a fight. Number one contender against the champion, Aljamain Sterling, essentially. Winning that belt, he thinks, against Cody Samhagen. Being on a long winning streak, only losing to Marlon Marais as of late via that gnarly KO. Peter Yan being 15-1, and one, being on a 13-whatever winning fight streak. Last finishing, <laughs> although beating Faber, Rivera, Dodson in there. Evil twin, who do you think you're taking in this bout at 135 pounds for the belt? Oh, man. You asked me earlier in the week um, what bout out of the 15 bouts was going to be my favorite and or what I'm anticipating and what I think is my favorite. And I absolutely got to go with Jan versus Aljo. I think it is out of the three challenging. It is the most competitive for um, what is happening tonight. And it's exciting. Um, honestly kind of a coin flip because Aljo is coming out claiming that he is going to shoot. It doesn't matter if it's a hundred times or a thousand times. It's only going to take one takedown for it to make the difference. Now, um, Jan has proven with his 88% takedown defense that he is not an easy guy to take down. Also, he is a volume striker with 6.32 strikes per 15 minutes or per minute, excuse me, six 6.32 strikes per minute. They both showcase the same level of strike accuracy, although Jan tends to take more strikes at 3.25 compared to uh, Aljo's 1.92. So he takes about a strike more a minute, but he also puts up two more strikes a minute than Aljo. His uh, Aljo's defense is 66%. It's a uh, it's tough. Um, Jan is the younger fighter by uh what is this four years but he gives up the reach disadvantage by i think it's like five or six inches i mean again i'm struggling here honestly i was pulling for aldo early on looking at the stats looking at the numbers looking at what yawn has done up to this point um i'm gonna stay on yawn I can't guarantee that I'll be there coming up into the fight, but I'm going to stick with a Peter Yawn via um, decision. Five rounds. Five rounds. We got 15 fights and then three five-round fight potentials. This is crazy. Um, Peter Yawn is the old manslayer. Unfortunately, Aljamain Sterling isn't a fucking old man, and he's already made it through his, like, 
sleepy knockout with the knockout of Aljamain Sterling sent um, what's his face on a spiral of being overrated that you wouldn't believe. Who was the guy that knocked him out? Marlon Marias. Yeah, Marlon Marias just went on this super overrated fucking spin on himself. And Peter Yan, he's what knocked out Uriah Faber and then um, Aldo. Aldo's come back and he's done some okay stuff, but we all know Aldo's at the end of the end. And then he even went down 10 pounds. So uh, Peter Jan's, you know, knocked out Uriah Faber and then the shell of Aldo. Aljamain Sterling is not that dude. He literally got knocked out and has gotten better and better and better and better. I think his submission game's killer. I think his stand-up game's going to be fine with Jan's. I think he's, does he have the reach advantage here? Um, yeah, exactly. I imagine exactly. to have a hell of a reach advantage. I think that he's good wrestling, but, and he's good at jujitsu. I think he's going to have the strength here. I think his cardio is going to last longer. I think Peter Yan hasn't even gone up against the monster that Aljamain Sterling has turned himself into. And because Aljo has gotten no fucking shine, he's kind of one of these huge monsters that nobody knows is in the closet. Aljo's my dark horse in the division. It's he he's done everything right to wear the belt right now. No offense to Peter Yan. He kind of came out of nowhere, got perfectly handed fights, and then walked in just because of the Uriah Faber namesake. Whereas Aljamain did the real work, fought the real guys, and I want him to win this fight. I think he figures out Peter Yan. I think he has the cardio and that submission attempt that doesn't really work in the second round, totally is gonna work in the fourth. Um give me Aljo everywhere here. I just it's it's not because Peter Yan isn't awesome. It's just because it's Aljo's time. It's part of the story, and I see him wearing the belt at the end. Definitely a fun coin flip of a fight. Minus 120 favorite Peter Yan, minus 110 underdog Sterling. So literally... Minus money on either side. You're not getting any type of a good line. Vegas wins with this fight. Absolutely. But here I feel like, love what both of you guys are saying, but I got to say that I'm fighting with the underdog slightly. I feel like Algermain Sterling on the ground has proven to be so much better uh, that there is times where Jan has been taken down, even though it's not often, but he's given up his back in order to get back to where he needs to be and even route out, ridden out rounds, uh, having somebody on his back. And against Aljo, he's just gnarly enough. Sarah Longo, they all talk about it, but of course they are because it's their guy. But I do feel like um, even though Jan has a Sambo and all of that, he relies on much, much more of having to be a striker, relying on that wrestling in his back pocket to keep him where he wants it. But I feel like Aljo could engage that ground game at Jan's peril where Jan doesn't have a choice to go to the ground. The thing I don't like in this bout is that Aljamain Sterling is the striker with the most amount of significant strikes ever landed in the UFC without a knockdown. He has landed over 800 strikes and never knocked down an opponent. So there is zero knockout potential for Aljamain Sterling in this. He has to submit it. But I like his ground potential out of this. Not that he's not a bad striker. It's just that he doesn't have power in it. He uses it more to get it to the ground where he needs to uh, do what he needs to do. So I'm siding with the underdog here. I'm going Aljamain Sterling submission round number two. 
definitely a fun one and new. Real quick, too, with the Peter Yan and the Uriah Faber. Uriah Faber literally came out of retirement with the Hickey-Simone fight because he knew that he saw an opening watching tape, watching this fight. And we know how Uriah Faber is one of those tape guys, one of those trainers, one of those camp guys that he picks the fight so specifically for his dudes with what they can do. He knew he could beat Ricky with that fight. He did exactly what we know Uriah Faber does. He didn't have to get off any game plan of Uriah Faber from five years ago or 10 years ago to beat Ricky Simone. So then he comes in against Peter Yan and gets handed fucking ass handed to him, which he was retired Uriah Faber. That is exactly what was supposed to happen. It was just a namesake alone. If not for that fight, Peter Yan would have been one of those guys to take a title that we all would have been like, huh? Do we feel good about him just beating a 135 out, uh, Aldo, like it would have been a weird thing for us as fans to accept, but for some reason we accepted it off Faber Aldo, which was fine for us as fans five years ago. If you would have beat Faber Aldo, you were fucking Conor yeah. McGregor. But it, it was just kind of a weird thing with Peter Yan. But I felt like with certain Chinese fighters and Russian fighters with the UFC trying to build their brand, they just kind of force fed us these certain champions to kind of like solidify markets. And um, they got these handed fights. And Peter Yan's one of those dudes, not because I don't think he's UFC caliber or fucking awesome. He's just one of those guys that kind of got this contoured existence in the UFC for a market or something to me. But Aljo is like the guy that UFC is not handing any fucking favors to ever. And he's still there doing the damn thing. And I respect the shit out of that. I will say really quick. I agree with your point in regards to him beating Peter Yan, beating former shells of Uriah favor and Jose. Although, although Aldo has had a little bit of a resurgence since losing in the fifth round to Peter Yan. So he went four hard rounds with Peter. So, but Peter Yan previous to those two, what led him to get to the championship to, to solidify himself as a champion. He took Jimmy Rivera in a unanimous decision, three rounds. Mind you, he had the only takedown in that bout, but he, he actually Jimmy Rivera outstruck him by 20, 20 some odd strikes. But, Yon actually had the um, grappling advantage in that bout post stats. Um, the only other guy to take uh, Yon down has been Don, John Dotson, which they mirrored each other with two takedowns each. And, you know, Dotson can be quick. So I think uh, explosive athleticism is what it is. Shella and I don't Dotson. See That's what Alderman. I'd say. Shella Dotson. Yeah, right. But that was a UD. But I'm just saying is is comparable to the grappling. I don't know that I wouldn't say that Aljamain Sterling has the explosive uh, athleticism that John Dotson does to be able to complete a takedown. That that's my two cents. Yeah, definitely a close one for a championship. It's such a great out. fight, though. This is my first favorite, closely with the Israel Yan, only because. It, it's so much. It's so much, but this is a, such a good fight. This could be a main event to me on a pay-per-view. This is absolutely my it, main event. This it, is the one I'm most excited for because it is so close and so many people have it there. On DraftKings, 8,400 for Peter Yan against Aljamain Sterling, 7,800. Uh, I'm going to be playing Sterling and Yan because it is five rounds. I feel like all round fights are going to have a potential play because we just have that much more action 
crew throughout that. So it just kind of doesn't make sense. If I'm seeing decisions in other bouts, I'm just going to kind of scratch them and only look for finishes and or these uh, five rounders. And I like either one of these sliders as far as DraftKings. Um, depends on who you like personally. But then we get into the co-main event of the evening for the 145-pound belt. We got Amanda Nunes, the GOAT, coming in against Megan Anderson. Anderson coming off a two-fight winning streak, being 10-4, and four, losing in the UFC to Felicia Spencer via submission, Holly Holm via decision. She beat Kat Zingano with a toe poke to the eye. She beat Sarah Farn in her debut in the UFC, and she beat Dumont in her debut in the UFC. So uh, this is as propped up as it gets. The fact that I'm hearing any betters go out and be like, I think Megan Anderson can knock her out, is just sounds absolutely ludicrous to me. I feel like Amanda Nunes is absolutely better everywhere other than the size, and I'm not going to bank on the size of a fighter, uh, especially when we've seen Stevin Struve lose many fights. It proves that the fight, it, it, that just doesn't matter. And Megan Anderson, even though she has power um, and she's at that glory kickboxing with James Krause, made that move over here, um, that power accumulates against lower level fighters. She's gone to decision against Holly Holm when she couldn't land there. If Holly Holm had trouble with Amanda Nunes, I mean, I just feel like Nunes is so much better striking, but Amanda Nunes is ace in the hole in this fight is her ground game. She's a black belt at a high level. Megan Anderson maybe has her blue belt third stripe over with James Krause. I've no submitted Megan Anderson. I, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Careful. She's going to call you out She like she did Kenny. I hope she uh, does. <laughs> I hope she does. <laughs> she'd come off of that fight and get a title fight with the way the UFC's booking this shit. I, I so. would fight Amanda Nunes next, even if I lost. <laughs> if you want, you absolutely would. So I just feel like uh, a lot of people are overlooking. They think it's going to be a striking battle, but I feel like Amanda Nunes comes off having a new baby and showing the resurgence on the embeddeds. The embeddeds do matter. We are getting them. I've been watching them. Do you think Amanda Nunes actually has a new light under her ass having this baby with Nina Ansaroff? Before she was like, whatever. Now she's like, okay, this is what we do as a family and really accepting it. And I think that we see an even better Amanda Nunes and she just carves her legacy on the Mount Rushmore as far as all-time great UFC fighters. Evil Twin, what do you think's happening here? I'm I'm not gonna beat the dead horse. Um, absolutely stacked up. They need movement in the women's 145 category. The only way to do that is to challenge the current champion, which is Noons. Um, yeah, you coming off a, of a win on a debuter and getting an immediate title shot after you've been beat by a lesser opponent. Um, Absolutely prop. This is a prop fight for a man. Well, it's a it's a hype fight for Megan, and they're selling a pretty face and um, a, a lifestyle or wh however. But you're going against the women's goat, flat out women's goat. There's nothing to be discussed. Noons and I agree. She subs her. Noons isn't going to go out there and try to bang it up and do whatever. Noons is going to go out there and get paid. She's going to take her ass down and choke that bitch. Pay-per-view points. 
she gets them regardless of how for long the fight goes. So, yep. Jamie, how do you feel this one goes down? What are we doing? What's Megan Anderson deserves this spot no more than I do. Like, there's no more reason that she deserves to be fucking fighting Amanda Nunes more than I do right now. This is so ridiculous that she's even here. The only reason Megan Anderson, no offense to her, she's amazing, she's beautiful, she's tall. But the only reason she's here is because UFC fans wanted her here. There was nobody else to fill the 145, and we harassed Twitterverse and harassed the UFC that when they ESPN'd over, we got Megan Anderson, and then what? Nothing good has come out of it. We've just watched her fight a couple of debut fighters. She might as well be, who's that guy? Or that guy? Who's that Gabby? Who's the, the one who fights the old ladies in uh, Japan? Gabby Garcia? Yeah, she might as well be Gabby Garcia. Like, that's all. Like there's Oh, Garcia. You're right. Like, there's nothing that Megan Anderson's doing. She's just, like, a, a spectacle because she's so tall and beautiful and, like, built well and has these mild skills. But Amanda Nunes, like you were saying, she is the fucking goat. She's the goat. She's fought every single name that you can mention in women's UFC and schooled them. She's done whatever she's wanted to do to the best of the best. And I would put bullet valentina like second to her and she beat bullet bullet valentina twice twice and i rewatched those even with my unbiased eyes she beat her twice like she beat her twice so going against somebody like megan anderson i just feel like amanda noons it's insulting to me because i've watched women's mma odds be way larger than this i've watched them be 1250 i've watched them be 1100 this should be way bigger. The odds to me, I never say a plus 750 isn't big enough. It isn't big enough. Like, it should be, it's not big enough. This, by the time fight closes with this, it should be a plus 1200 for Megan Anderson. This is bullshit. It's disrespectful. The only, the good thing about this to me is on a fallout COVID fight, my girl Amanda Nunes gets to collect a check. And I think maybe dudes can relate i see guys in the fifth round fourth round where they're like your family gets to eat or their family gets to eat amanda noons has that primal instinct not like a mom we always talk about mom champions she has that dad instinct now that she's gonna feed her family if she ever has to turn it on guess what she doesn't have to fucking turn it on this fight she doesn't even have to get she fights harder women in her gym her and nina's a harder fight for her than megan and i'm not even fucking kidding I just don't even – I think Nina could go out there and win a five-round decision against Megan Anderson. I just think it's a bullshit fight. So give me um, second-round submission, Amanda Nunes. I have the – Sorry, I'm irritated by this. Like, Amanda Nunes is like a queen amongst my people, and she's having to go in there and fight another pretty face just because. But I'm glad she gets to collect a big fat check. She gets paid. She gets pay-per-view points regardless of the opponent and she gets to rely on casey kenny versus dominic cruz and rely on israel all that australian money exactly Mm, i love it she just gets a cut of all of that so and a cool thing as a brazilian woman there's a lot of other brazilian women on the come up on this card that aren't really that important to us and we're like fluffing off the fight but for the legacy of what they are in brazil it's really cool that she's having this like there's like a red carpet of brazilian women on the undercard and then amanda noons even two brazilians fighting each other on DraftKings, Amanda Noons, 9600 against megan anderson 6600 
I mean, there's no way you don't play Nunes. I just see a finish via submission. Cheney's got a submission. Evil Twin, what was your official decision on the fight? Submission round one. Oh, so submissions all the way around. I'm going to put a bet on that as well. I believe it's plus 450 for submission Amanda Nunes. But, yeah, no reason for her to strike with Nunes or with uh, Anderson. It just does not make sense. And she has a good enough game plan with that American top team to do that. So easy fight. Then we get into a much closer bout at 205 pounds. We have a historic event. Jan Blagowicz defending his belt against the up and coming challenger moving up from 185 pounds. We have Israel Adesanya challenging for the 205 pound belt being a perfect 20 and oh, never being defeated. I've picked against him a few times. It's never come through. He beat the last Paulo Costa as of late via TKO, but Paulo Costa was drunk. So he would have definitely absolutely won that fight. But that jackass is just having, I mean, a midlife crisis. I mean, Paulo Costa get a couple other fights, then start talking. He beat Yo Romero, did Adesanya. He beat Whitaker via TKO. Gastelum in a decision. Anderson Silva, I mean, the some of the best of the best, showing great counter-striking, fluid motion. Serviceable ground game would take down the fence and even some good rolls with Gastelum. Um, and just showing that he's not a fish out of water when he gets to the ground, but he's definitely a glory kickboxer who likes to keep it standing. Against Yanni Jamblakowicz here, the Polish sensation is coming off of a huge win against Polo Reyes for the belt after John Jones vacated to go to heavyweight. He knocked out Corey Anderson as a huge underdog. He beat Souza in a split decision as an underdog. He beat Rockhold as an underdog. I mean, Jan Blakovic is number one Cheney's number one moneymaker. He was one of the biggest underdogs that came I've only got him, him wrong Jan one Jan. time. His whole career, I've only and, got him wrong once. Oh. And it was only against Santos, right? Uh, yeah, Thiago Santos. Yeah. I remember when we broke that down on air, and I remember being like, oh, it, it's just a really tough stylistic matchup. Because I think Blockle he would have won that. It was just that initial Russian that Jan wasn't – if they would have fought that fight, in my opinion, 9 out of 10 times, Jan would win it 8 out of 10. It was just that weird snap. But I think that that knockout made Jan the fighter he is now. He definitely grew from that as much as his doctors got so much better because that six-pack was not there when he debuted many, many fights ago. He's definitely come in. Maybe it's the rope. Maybe it's the doctor. Look into it. But if you guys seen on the embedded, the death rope he's been carrying around? No, I haven't at all. He found a guy hanging on a tree, and the cop afterwards was like, are you going to take some of that rope for your fighting? And he's like, what? And there's Polish lore that a hangman's rope is good luck. So he got it built into a bracelet and fucking has it. And he's won ever since. So that is, I never heard that. The hangman's been haunting me. Like the hangman has been haunting me since like October. I never heard it. This is amazing to me. I love it. Look it up. Uh, that is definitely on an embedded. 
So, I love it. I'm putting it in my things to my digs. <laughs> definitely Polish folklore. So definitely a fun uh, depiction there that Jan Blakowicz being like, I walked up on the guy. He was all, <laughs> he's like, he's all bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, he's laughing the whole time, just like, I'm so stupid. I ask him, he's okay. I see him. He's dead. He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I like him with his kids, too. He seems like just like a cute, scary, like a big bear of a dad. Absolutely. But here, as far as his fighting style, he's got solid wrestling. His Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt is always proven to uh, be something he can fall back on. The striking for Blockowitz has always been super solid, especially with those body kicks. I feel like uh, they could really play a role in this matchup. Against Reyes, they played a big role, really lighting up that body, but Adesanya does have that movement. Though Jan Blockowitz has a ton of power, it's just really slow, and that same blitzing attack that he had on Santos that got him caught, he Jan Blockowitz does that. He did it in his Reyes fight. He does it in a lot of fights. And I feel against the counter-striking and the level of Adesanya here, it's going to be something that's going to be his downfall because accentuating the power on Adesanya, who's going to be faster and more fluid than you, isn't going to be good. And uh, I feel like Israel Adesanya has been very clever with a lot of his stylistic matchups and is really good about breaking people down. And he specifically called this matchup because he knew Jan stylistically is a really advantageous striking matchup for him on the ground a little bit different story and as far as yawn i feel like he has to attack the legs and body if he has a shot if he just comes in trying to headhunt it's done i do think yawn's gonna come in and try to headhunt and that's what i feel like ezra lazani is gonna get a tko round number three evil twin what do you got on the tip of them lips Evil twin? Maybe he should go out and come back in. I don't see him on mine. Oh. Yeah, I got you. I don't. Maybe I'll go out and come back in. Hold on one sec. I totally um, I'm going to agree with you here. Uh, Blockowitz hasn't got um, a takedown since 2018 against Nico Krylov. Um, that's his last takedown. So the ground game, I don't necessarily that that being uh, advantageous or route it's going to do. We know Adesanya isn't going to shoot because he hasn't taken one takedown uh, shot throughout his UFC career up to this point. And for everything that you said, I'm not going to beat the dead horse. Izzy is going to keep his distance, find his range. Blockowitz is going to do the um, bowl just like uh, Paulo Costa. And like Paulo Costa, um, Adesanya is going to keep his distance and chip at the legs. You're going to see the calf kick. You're going to see the leg kick. And you're going to see uh, the Polish power get frustrated and do that bowl-like rushing moment, which to me is going to cost him the fight. I'm taking Izzy Adesanya by either... I honestly, yeah, I think he stops him in the third. I just don't think Block is going to be able to put up. Izzy puts out a lot of uh, a lot of strikes, and it's just going to be overwhelmed. Um, and you really just you don't see him winning a bunch of unanimous decision fights. You only see Blockowitz out there finishing guys. So I'm also going to call into question his cardio and the fact that he's 40. This is Izzy's fight to lose. Chain, you're uh, you here. You know what? 
Izzy should be able to handle everything everywhere. He should be faster. He should be... I think Israel Adesanya could beat John Jones better than he could beat Jan Blakovitz. I think Jan is the reason John Jones left the division. Yeah, the second fight with Dominic would have been a lot, but I think John could have handled it. I think Jan Blakovitz is the dude. I've said he was the dude for a long time back. Um, there's nothing that tells me even right now. I think Jan ble- beat Stipe. I think Jan would probably beat Nganu. I think Jan would be Bones. Like I think Jan's the, the bigger powerful dude um israel's fast as fuck he should be able to stay at distance he should be able to piece yan apart yan is also a guy that has good kicks has killer power has killer um ground game way better than israel's the thing that worries me here is i've seen israel get knocked down more than once and not with the fucking power that he's about to be hit with from Jan Blakovitz. Uh Jan is faster than I think maybe any of the other heavy or any of the other 205ers. I think he's more precise than any of these other big guys. I think he's being slept on here. I've always felt Jan is being slept on. Israel should be able to piece him apart. The thing about Israel is he he does get hit. He hasn't got hit in the last few fights. Uh, Paulo Costa slow as fuck who pretty much worked his way into that thing because he's like this super juiced. We all knew he was illegal juicing. We all knew he was illegal dripping, um, with his bags and his fucking shit, but he was cute. Yoel Romero is super fucking slow as fuck. Robert Whitaker is a shell of himself that, um, is glass as fuck. He was off that weird surgery after his intestines were all swole. Um, Kelvin Gastelum still, Bill has yet to show up like we all hope Kelvin is the Kelvin that we all hope he's going to be. Um, so it's like Israel's kind of going against these guys that are not Jan Blakovitz. And other guys are knocking him fucking down that aren't Jan Blakovitz. I got to go with Jan here. The more I think about this, I just think Jan's going to knock fucking Israel out. I think he catches him one time and hurts him enough that he can get in the inside, work his body, work his legs, slow him down. He's just far more powerful here. I don't think Israel has it in him to knock out Jan. He's not a 205er by nature. This is his first 205 fight, and he's going against the dark horse of the whole fucking division. Give me Jan here. I think he figures it out by round three, maybe even round two. I think Israel's going to be a little too cocky, and he's going against snail fucking rock figures. Jan isn't Jan is so much faster than Yoel, so much faster than Kelvin Gastelum, so much fucking faster than Paulo Costa. Are you kidding? With way more power than all those guys. Give me Jan. Give me Jan. Sorry, Israel. I love you. Everybody knows I'm an Israel ride or die. He's like in my top five favorite fighters of all time. Yeah, I like everything that he's fucking cool. doing. And this is just what? this is Jan's fight to lose to me. This is Jan's belt. He fucking got his belt. I think this is it was a perfect story, and the way Israel played his Conor McGregor moment is Israel was supposed to fight John, and I think Israel could have figured out John Jones, but not fucking Jan. There's not enough tape on Jan, and Jan's still changing his game every second. We don't even have to see Jan in a full fight still. He's murking dudes. So I just think this is dangerous for Israel, and this is his ego. He should not have taken this fight. This is that champ champ a little too quick. They should have let both these guys fight another fight. Israel would have been smarter to let Jan defend that belt once. Um, I think this is a weird fight for Israel at Asanya. I think this, but he doesn't lose anything by losing at 205 and going back to 185. He doesn't lose anything at all. Very true. 
On DraftKings, 9,200 for Adesanya, the decided favorite against Jan Blakowicz, the almost 2-1 underdog, 7,000 even. I Cheney brings up good points. Uh, if you like Jan, it's not, he's not unforeign to this. I kind of feel like an interesting narrative that I was thinking about is... Um, Israel Adesanya is a new age kid who's doing all the death note, all the death writing stuff and being like, oh, I'm getting it off of MAGA cartoons or whatever, a manga. Um, and Jan Blakowicz is living it real life. Jan Blakowicz is like, no, I was walking in the woods and walked on a dead body. No, I went in there and did those things. Like, it's kind of like fantasy and fiction. <laughs> just an interesting thing. And I there's something the too just about Polish there. people. Like, in every fucking war, they're always involved. They're always in the middle. It's a reason why all the yeah, women out of that territory not only use guns really well, they also learn how to use their hands and feet. It's because the people taught the people to never be taken over again. There's something innately in them, like this spirit that Israel Adesanya, as much as he's African, New Zealand, all this, I he's do. a fucking rich kid. He's a rich kid that got to travel the world and live an elite lifestyle. And so it's not really necessarily about the him. There's something different to it than Jan, where Jan is as a man. And I just think, I don't know, to me, it's Jan's belt to lose. I, I'm going to agree with you, Cheney, that I think what you're trying to say is um, – Jan presents a humble approach, uh, a working man's, the, he's the working man's champion, whereas Sanya is your millennial douchebag. Yeah, a little, Jan gives me the Stipe vibes a little. He gives me that, like, hardworking, like, dude yeah, yeah, that's, like, he gives me that, like, yeah, but I do, I love Israel Adesanya. Like, either guy that wins, I'm happy about it. Either guy that loses, I'm a little sad. Like, these are two of my fucking top 10 favorite fighters fighting. And, and, which has happened so, to me a Jamie, lot in the last 300 days where I'm like, I don't want to pick this fight. This is one of those. Cheney, you were saying that um, Israel has been, uh, you were alluding to the fact that um, he may have been fighting former shells. Now, I, I'm, I can see some of your points. I, I don't necessarily, I don't think your Romero's slow. I don't think he uses his speed throughout his fights. He's definitely explosive. But if you look at where Jan Blokovic, to me, his true only test at the 205 range of that top tier um, was his win over Dominic Reyes in the second round. His three fights previous, his four fights previous to that, he lost one of them, but his three fights winning up to that, he beat a shell of himself, Luke Rockhold. He beat yeah. a uh, Souza, Ronald Souza, which yeah. again, shell. And a Corey Anderson chinny chin chin. Totally agree. And that was a totally block agree. Two. So the only le to me, the only legitimate win was the one that made that nullified the 205 belt because it was vacated. And that is the one that he took over Reyes. And I had Reyes in that, so I was wrong there. And I can easily be wrong here. And he schooled so Reyes. It was I'm no question. It was even a close fight. I was like stunned at the what he made Reyes look like in that fight. So I guess what I'm seeing here, though, is is if we look at the murders row of leading up to 185 and 205, is realistically they're not very deep divisions. Yeah, the Thiago Santos. I was just saying this um, that I really believe if that fight was fought ten fucking times, Jan would win eight of those times. 
I think that bull rush of Thiago Santos just caught him off guard, but I think that knockout made Jan the fighter we're seeing now, where it's like everything's kind of come together for him. I don't know. It's such an interesting... I can also see what you guys are like, Israel staying at bay, being so, like, picking them apart, picking them apart, staying at bay, good head movement. Like, no one has better head movement in the UFC than Israel. When you really watch the fights in slow motion, you're like, holy shit, he rolled out of the way of most of those punches. It's like Connor almost. Maybe even better, where you're like, he did not take any damage in that. Like, it looks like he's taking punches sometimes, but he's just rolling so well. Um, But Jan's not that dude. Leg kicks... Oh, shit. Jan's just like a tree trunk compared to... It's like Yoel with speed and height and reach. It's so much. <laughs> but it's the bro- it's the forward versus the counterpuncher to me, essentially, is what it breaks down to. So, on draft teams, 9,200 for Adesanya against Blakowicz, 7,000. Even, I... I got to have exposure to both of these guys. I don't necessarily see a stack because I feel like uh, it's a finish for either one. I don't see the decision out of it, but I got to have 20, 30% out of Sonya, 10% hedging my bets with Blakovitz. I, I just because I can see, I've seen the Pereira knockout for Adesanya where it was that left hook, and Jan Blakovic throws a good left hook and he sets it up well. He'll throw like Is Jan a Muay Thai? right to him. I don't believe he has a Muay Thai background, but he's a proficient striker. I don't know his strength. If if it makes it to the third, it could be worth it to stack them on a card or two. Like if once they if if it makes it to the third, Israel Adesanya is that dude that once it he figures out a point that he's going to become a point fighter and he's not going to try for that knockout anymore to keep his belt or to gain the belt. If that happens in the fight. Um, Jan might still go for the finish, whereas Israel will lay back and like get the point. If that happens at any point, they could be really lucrative to have them stacked because they're both kind of those point fighter weird styles. Well, I mean, when your thoughts, I block block is the, traditionally leading up to this has finished his fights. He only has one decision when leading up to this bout in particular. So. Uh, I honestly feel like if anything, Block is gonna fade because his only decision win leading up to, in his last uh, five fights, he's only fought the decision once against Souza. That was it. The other five fights were all stoppages. He, well, excuse me, the last six fights. If you really want to just go back, his last six wins out of seven have been uh, stoppages. Like so, he's not a decision fighter whatsoever. To me, that only favors Israel Adesanya. So definitely a fun matchup. Definitely history in the making at the 185 pounds, 205, with the champ champ potentially on the way. Not too many in the UFC overall. One that is worth it if you can get to it. Definitely shekel out 70 bucks. I mean, it doesn't get much better than this. This is a pay-per-view worthy type of a bout, is it not? Three belts on top of three stacked fights unbelievable oh yeah it's a must must pay pay-per-view no no doubt about it no doubt about it <laughs> anything <laughs> thank you all for following along being here to the end we made it at Zoltanite at weeknight baby at is one 
One. All on Twitter if you want to get with us. We be breaking down these fights on stop. There's still weigh-ins on the way. There's still fights news to come about. Be sure to stay along because it could all switch after weigh-in. Some of these really close ones could be flipped on their head. And I think some of them might not even come to fruition, specifically that Cruz uh, versus Uso Urborg pick there. So What? <laughs> that Cruz versus Olberg fight? Oh, yeah, yeah. Olberg? No, it's not Cruz Olberg. It's, no, it's Cruz versus Metric, I thought. Or Medic. Oh, Medic versus Medic. It's Erlberg versus Anjuku. Uh, it's yeah. Medic versus Cruz. My bad. My apologies. There were both white guys with weird names that I was thinking of. So, <laughs> anything left, Evil Twin, for this pay-per-view? Anything for the fans? Uh, No, I'll, uh, I'll actually go ahead and post uh, here, and I'll attach you guys on the Twitterverse. Um, like always, I think this wasn't a waste of my time. Likely <laughs> was, but, you know... I guess I could be doing worse things like crack cocaine and stuff like that. Peace. There's still time. <laughs> crack There's cocaine. There's still time. <laughs> Running the country. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, there's been many mayors that have been caught doing crack cocaine and ran a perfectly fine city. I know, and you they could run again. People. Then could run again. <laughs> and win. Absolutely in there. All so, right. Always a pleasure. It's been a good show. Thanks for listening. Be safe out there. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.